said I wasn't wearing pants. I am aware. This is not a radio, Jeff, but yes, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> It's kind of a radio. (laughs) It kind of is, I suppose. It's a little different than, well, we're not using any, I'm guessing. Those those very nice people in Chicago at the restaurant sure thought we were on a radio show. No, they thought we were a band, dude. Well, yeah, then I told them we were a radio show. Oh, and then they're like, That was very bizarre. That was pretty weird. (laughs) Well, didn't didn't one of them like Google us or something? Yeah, someone someone Googled and there's a a musician called Snafu. He's like a, a professional DJ. And she must have thought we were them. Like she looked at us. I don't. I don't. I. In what world would she be able to Google a, a, a band and look at us and then be like, "Oh, that must be them." Snafu. <laughs> Situation normal. All. All fouled up. Snafu. All right, welcome to another episode of Snafu. Tonight we're going to talk about the Germans and have some hobby updates and a couple other things. Tonight with me is Jeff. Mangafi. <laughs> and Dale. <laughs> hey guys. And you got to make him go last. <laughs> hey, how's it going? I'm not even sure if we got all of the words because he was muting and unmuting. So <laughs> it was like I got half of what I thought he might have said. You actually got all of what I said. Oh, okay. I... It, just, it just confused me. All right. Yes, that was uh, I am here in Wolof, the native language of Senegal, Africa. Oh, all right. That's right. Because if, if you guys are following along and listening to all our episodes in order, Jeff wasn't with us for the Soviets because World he, was out, he was out of the country. And it looked... Amazing. Why don't we Why don't we talk about that first? Because I think that was pretty cool. You look like you got some uh, some interesting little pieces of history while you were there. Absolutely, yeah. It was super cool um, to go to Senegal, Africa, and see a lot of French colonial history. And anybody that plays the French army, of course, is familiar with the Senegalese tirailleurs. I'm still butchering that pronunciation. Sorry, my French is still awful. Well, I hear a lot of people pronounce it Singalese. Well, they're wrong. Okay. <laughs> That's what wrestlers wear when they're wrestling. Senegalese. Senegalese is incorrect because the country is Senegal, and believe me, they say they are Senegalese, so or Senegalese sometimes if they want to get really fancy. I have a tendency to believe your pronunciation over other stuff I hear on the internet. So, <laughs> Fair those enough. people just want to sound right, but they know they're exactly. But yeah, it was super cool. I put a couple pictures up on our podcast web uh, Facebook page there. There's a beautiful monument to them in downtown Dakar in front of the train station. There's another one I did not get up up in St. Louis, the old colonial French capital. It was in a slightly rougher part of town, but it was a really nice monument to them. And then one I want to post up when I can clean it up here off the uh, photo editing when I went to Ile de Gorée, Gorée Island. It's actually a famous island, infamous maybe to say, for slave trading. But up on the top of it, the Vichy government put two nice 240-millimeter anti-ship guns on top. So that was pretty cool. I had no idea they're up there. I got some really cool shots of those. Super cool trip. Yeah, it was, I like that picture. It was pretty sweet. Very cool. Um, yeah, it's funny because I just watched a movie, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not recommending this movie because it was probably not the best movie ever, but uh, Allied with Brad Pitt in it, and it's about uh, the Moroccan... They're in French, uh, the French territory there, but it's kind of cool to see some of the World War II history because it's all about World War II. So it's it's interesting. It's very very kind of cheesy spy movie, but oh, yeah. it had a lot of cool history. And they were in 
they were in England when it was getting bombed. And so like a lot of the stuff you were seeing is kind of like, Oh, I know what that's about. And they were hanging out with uh, the, the, the Vichy French. So, or they were, they started in, in that territory and they basically were trying to kill some German ambassador or some crazy stuff like that. I, yep. It wasn't that great of a movie, but it was kind of cool. Cause you're like, Hey, I know about this. Yeah, it was all right. I watched that one on the, on the plane ride back actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a funny, yeah, it's, Maybe not the best movie to watch when you just came back from one of those territories. Yeah, history's and, history. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know how historically accurate it is, but there was a lot of cool stuff in it. So uh, let's uh, let's go into some hobby updates first, I think. I don't know, because maybe this will be nice and short. Uh, Jeff, you probably haven't worked on a whole lot, have you? <laughs> no, I, uh, I got some great ideas for terrain, though. <laughs> right on. Uh, how about you, Dale? Have you worked too much? Uh, no, haven't done anything. I decided that um, it wasn't worth rushing the army to complete it so i decided not to do that so nothing i i'm happy you decided to do quite honestly because i think that's that's a smart move to not try and push push making a army ready for a tournament especially if you have a turn or an army already available yeah i guess i've always tried to come up with something new and fun and cool but i never manage my time very well and so in the <laughs> end i'm just pushing it through and then what i end up finally putting out there is okay but it's never you know it's not really as good as if i just took my time and did it early. Right, and then a lot of times when you would when you paint for a tournament, you would you get it like seventy percent of the way there, and then you would go to the tournament, and then later you would finish it, like finish finish it, and then you would go to another tournament and you'd win your you'd win an award, and you're like, why did I not just do that the first time and just take a little more time with it? I, You've I, also been one to to do the whole complete wow factor too with your stuff. Like yeah. a lot of the guys come the club will bring in and kind of work on their stuff there, where you might work on like the initial base tones, but by the time you're getting to finished product, you don't bring it in until it's done. I do kind of like that wow factor put on us there too. So good call. Do it correct. I understand. That. Yeah, and it's a it's a tricky thing because whether you guys realize it or not, it's when I bring that stuff in and ask what you guys think, that feedback is actually really important to go through. You know, the color balancing, the tone, you know, the ideas and bouncing those things off actually help um, put everything together and make it better than what I would do if I just kind of did it all in a vacuum. So the trick is to get it in, get that feedback, incorporate it, and then um, and then kind of keep it back a little bit so that when everybody does finally see it, it's something that's new and it's not exactly the same, and then the feedback you get is still honest. And, you know, you don't want people to be tired of looking at the stuff that you bring out because then it's like, well, what did I do all this work? So anyways, yeah, but nothing nothing for me this time around. you got to start managing your time a little better, though, so you can actually get it well, we live, in some fashion. We live in great times where there's – there's so much to, to do and a lot of diversions and lots of hobbies. And <laughs> you get a lot of wild wow content. Yeah. yeah so it's it's all all again. You know, it's not, it's not always that actually it's, it's very rarely that. So I just finished playing most of mass effect the one. So I get to put that one. Yeah. In and you get, and you got season tickets to the, to the uh, soccer team. Well, I can't remember their name now, but it, Minnesota United. Best Minnesota cr- United. Uh, yeah. They have the best crust in, um, in soccer, maybe even professional sports. Unfortunately, they probably have one of the worst teams, but that's, that's I, that says there's going to be a lot of people that may disagree with you on whether or not they have the best crest. It is a very nice logo. I will say without think, a doubt, I think as a designer, was, uh, I appreciate it quite a bit, but there are a couple other good ones out there. Oh yeah. There's, there's definitely many good ones and obviously I'm, I'm really biased, but I think that there was, um, there was some kind of poll or something done and it actually it actually finished at the top. But in any event, that's right because internet internet polls never are skewed, right? 
What are you talking about? That's real people that are, are uh, you know, submitting the, actual results. I'm mashing the button 7,000 times, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so, okay, so it sounds like you didn't get anything accomplished. Well, maybe Pat has done something because we need some hero here. So, Pat, have you been doing anything for Javi? I have. I've been working diligently on my paratroopers, and I'm down to the second, uh, probably two or three coats of highlights left. And then I looked at the paratroopers I had painted up beforehand and put them next to them as painting and said, okay, well, I guess I need to do these ones too again. So now I've just added the rest of the paratroopers, and they're all sitting invading my table right now, waiting for highlights to be put on them. So uh, definitely making progress. I still think I'll, I'll sure have them in time for Bug Eater. I'm not concerned about that. I will. Uh, I will be redoing. I'll be reusing my display board from Adepticon. I won't have time to tailor one to the paratroopers. Um, but yeah, still pressing forward on those guys. And there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel or a large train. We'll see which one it is. Right on. I, I'm happy to hear that you're not working on Chindits and Gurkhas. That's that's all that really matters to me. Well, I think you need to do some Gurkhas. No, I, no I did. I did. I did pick up the the paints for the Gurkhas this last weekend here. So they. You're gonna pay they your wife to this. make those models disappear. <laughs> <laughs> Not only is it fun to say Gurkhas, but they're actually super effective in the battlefield. <laughs> they might be overly effective. Yes, but they're, <laughs> they're scary blighters. <laughs> we can we can cover them when we talk about the armies of Britain and the Commonwealth. Uh, I'm sure we've touched on them here before. Yeah, everyone knows they're scary. We yeah, we talked about them last episode with the FAQ drop. It's no big deal. Yep. No big yeah. deal. They're, they're no. nice and cuddly. No problem. Yeah, they, they want to say hi and hug. the crap out of them. Oh, but, well, well, shut up. you got to be <laughs> kidding me. <laughs> Just pushing your buttons, that's all. Yeah, no, it's fine. All right. But it's not like <laughs> you get a free unit of Gurkhas or anything, so. Anyway. No, you don't get a free one. That is <laughs> what, true. What, have you been working on anything there, Rick? Uh, Lord, no. Actually, no, I take that back. I have been working on a little bit of stuff. Um, so I've been working on... I was working on the, the Marines a little bit, so I actually got them all based, like the, the basing materials down now, which isn't a whole lot of, like, it's not that much work, but at least it's something. Um, that's primarily it. I've been working on a couple other little things. I actually busted out the airbrush just because I wanted to paint something. I was getting kind of, I'm getting a little overwhelmed by the amount of stuff I have to paint. So I decided to paint my Fury of Dracula models for a, a board game, which is a five models, I think, so. Was something just a little different to do, and it got my hobby juices going, which I think was good. So I'll start working on some other stuff in the near That's future. Awesome! Yeah, I look forward to staking a fully painted Dracula. <laughs> what do you mean? I think the next game I'm going to make you be Dracula. <laughs> well, that'd work too. Well, I've got a tip for Dracula: don't stare at the part of the map where you happen to be at at that particular <laughs> point in time. Why? It's so much fun. <laughs> That's why you get your own little side map, I believe. They we actually do. provide it. <laughs> anyway, sorry, we're kind of tangenting. If you haven't played, the, we uh, we pick, I, I picked up a game a little while ago before Adepticon called Fury of Dracula. We've attempted to play it three times, and I don't think we've actually completed a game because we've always been like running into te- like time deadlines. So it's one of those games. It's really fun, though. It is a fun game. So anyway, that's one of our little st- stupid projects or stupid things that we like to do when we're playing bolt action. So yeah, no, no not a lot of hobby updates for me. Uh, other than that, you know, we've a lot of us, and it's kind of probably taking away from some of our other hobby stuff, is that we're working on our tourney, our, our tournament. Uh, I think it's still called Operation Pending at this point, so we don't know that they necessarily have a uh, completed name that we've all agreed to. Um, Careful, that one just might end up sticking. I know. It's <laughs> starting to. <laughs> Although I, I, there's lots of names we've thrown out that I don't mind. So I think it's in, uh, we're working on it. So I think we've agreed on a point level. It's uh, well, we have to have agreed on a point level at this point where it's it goes live 
This we're recording Sunday evening, and it apparently goes live tonight at midnight for registration. So it's uh, 1,250-point single platoon, three games, axes versus allies, with custom shenanigans. I don't know what what do you guys want to what do you guys want to tell them about this? Pro shenanigans. Pro yeah yeah good. They're all good shenanigans. There's nothing nothing bad. Jeff Dale. Uh, Jeff, learn? you want to talk a little bit about? Uh, where you're at with the scenarios. Do we have any ideas on that? And we only briefly kind of, I gave my impressions on where I felt you were at based off of um, what we talked about when you, uh, prior to when you went uh, on holiday. So where are we at now with all this? Sure. Well, um, I have a confession. I haven't had time to listen to our, your guys' latest podcast, so I don't know if you exactly yeah, missed so much. About. No. I didn't think so, so you know. But uh, no, so we're going to have a set of scenarios going for the uh, main axis for allies people in a sideboard of games where there's an objective base that will affect the coming rounds. So uh, there's going to be some interesting linked scenarios where the outcome of each round is going to affect the next rounds, affect how the games go. So there's going to be some cool stuff in there. I'm trying not to give away too much in the scenarios yet because I'm still finalizing a few things. Uh, these other three gentlemen and some friends at the gaming store are going to be guinea pigs for me while I hammer out the final detail. So these guys are going to look forward to playing some really weird games of bolt action. I test a few things. You're just trying to test different elements of scenarios and not the actual scenarios themselves, right? Correct, yeah. I just need to see how certain things work with each other. You know? not, not, the, the actual final scenarios aren't going to be that weird. It's the small things that are going to affect scenarios. I want to make sure that they are meaningful without completely changing the games. It's not going to be like uh, the guy with the, the, long, the largest mustache gets an extra plus one to pen or anything like that, right? Uh, no, because I, I always get out facial hair by Rick, so no. Least facial hair gets gets the extra stuff. But then I lose to Pat. Yes, and, and I win almost all the time. I need medium facial hair with splashes of white and gray. And I win every time. <laughs> oh, I've got that one in the bag. <laughs> actually, actually, you really shave. Well, shit, I'm, ne- I'm never going to win. <laughs> the facial hair category, probably not. All right, so then, no. Jeff, I think you mentioned also um, it sounds like it's going to be a tree campaign, so based off of results, different yes. scenarios will come in play. Yes, yes, it will be a tree campaign. It will be linked, so, I mean, we will see an Axis or an ally push towards a, a victory and by one side or the other in this campaign. Right on. So I, so in this, my part of this is basically trying to be the liaison between us and Renegade Open. Um, Pat's been working on something else extra special. Do you want to talk about that, Pat? Yeah, uh, we touched on last time whether or not we were going to be sanctioned by Warlord and that I was trying to track down this this uh, John fellow from Warlord US and I have got a hold of him and we in fact will be a Warlord sanctioned event. So what does that mean? Well, that means that by when it comes down to it, we need to have at least 14 people actually play in the tournament and the overall winner of that will be given a spot at Nationals at Adepticon last year. Um, exactly how that next year? all... Next year. Did I say this year? You said last year. Last year. Well, like back, in, back to the future type stuff. Hey, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we're trying new stuff here. Yeah. Uh, sorry, 2017 Adepticon Nationals. 2018 it'll be. Yeah, 2018. 2018. Oh, wow, that's a, that's a ways away. Yeah, it feels that uh, way, doesn't it? It does. And then uh, next thing you know, it's here. Yeah. So um, so I told them basically, you know, kind of what Jeff, Jeff was running down with the scenario. It's Nexus versus Ally co-op narrative. Uh, we're going to, Rick is putting together a flyer that's going to get into the Warlord newsletter probably, you know, a month or two, maybe even three months before. I don't know when they're going to drop it in their newsletter. But anyone that sees the Warlord newsletters and see those upcoming events at the very bottom of the page, one of those eventually will be ours. 
So that'll be cool. Um, so they'll be they'll be giving some warlord signage there, and they'll be offering some some prize support and stuff like that. So very cool, nice guy to talk to. Um, he even mentioned, you know, uh, we'll probably run into him at some of these tournaments upcoming. Possibly he might be at Bug Eater that we're all going to. That'd be nice to see him there. Uh, we might even be able to coerce him into coming on one of our podcasts sometime this summer to. I don't know, talk up Warlord and maybe go through what actually happens in his end of tournaments. I think that would be cool to hear. We'll see how all that comes together. Sweet. That sounds yeah, that's great, awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for tracking that down. That's awesome. That's more than, uh, more than I think any of us expected. So it's well, pretty cool to get next, some backing. Yeah, well, backing from Warlord is nice. And now I'm working yeah. on trying to get some sponsorship and prize support from, uh, uh, from other companies and stuff like that. So we'll see how that goes in the next yeah. couple of weeks. Hopefully we'll have lots of prizes to give away because it's, I mean, that's kind of the nice thing about this is it, it is a charity event. We have still not quite nailed down how we want to do the Toys for Tots stuff, but we're going to, well, as a group, we'll collectively try and figure out how to make it happen. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if there's anything else that we, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've talked about the tournament. We've talked about the hobby. Now it's time we talk about our campaign because I'm super psyched because I might have won my last game. Sorry, Jesse. So yeah, why don't we, uh, Jeff? Why don't you dra- throw us through Are the, the results last two not scenarios? In for your last game yet? You might have one. No, I, no I, spoilers. No spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> I'm yeah, alluding right. to. Snape kills Dumbledore. He, oh, that's true. I, it's going to be tough to talk about the last scenario if we haven't, uh, if not everyone's played it. Oh, exactly. they're not. They'll play it before this comes out. Yeah, I'll, they'll at least I'll have their list. Tell. They'll have their list figured out. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if they don't play by this Thursday, we're going into the, we're going into the last part of it anyway. So oh, cool. Just, gotcha. Gonna, there you go. They're just getting left behind. <laughs> I'll just I'll just make sure that we we uh, release this on Friday then. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Or even Thursday. They won't listen to it before they. Uh, you never know. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I don't know. And if they do, more power to them, I guess. Well, I mean, they're generally um, honest guys, and so you know, just ask them. Did you hear it? Generally, or, that's the best part. Not to take the, the stuff, the high <laughs> anyway. impact stuff, like Rick <laughs> anyway. did. I did not take anything that I would not have taken otherwise. I took. Yeah. I wrote my list like a month ago. Exactly. Okay. So anyway, I so did. do they have anything from the last game, the, the bridge scenario? Did they did they get that in the last podcast? I we didn't talk about that. Okay. We didn't talk about any campaign updates. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So you know, not, not I tell you, Jeff. Oh well, thank you. So you know, I told these guys uh, they're my guinea pigs. So one thing I wanted to test to see how it was for victory condition uh, is controlling an objective through weight of units so not just order dice next to an objective or not just having one infantry that's sitting on an objective but uh weighing it by the amount of points you have holding objective so more expensive units usually are more elite and better equipped and seeing how that weight works towards controlling the objective in the center so we had a uh, the battle of amines and i again i know i'm mispronouncing that and i apologize to all our french listeners there that my french is awful uh this is part of fall rot which is the second push of germany in france uh, and this battle was representing it's a bridge. It's rote. It's pronounced rote. I thought I know for sure. Okay. Well, my German's also terrible, so um, I forget how to say apologize either. My so, English sorry. is actually pretty bad, too. Yeah. You know, really, I should probably just pick one language and learn it, but I've never actually gotten around I, I think that's pretty much damn near impossible. To... No Why be awful in one language when you'd be multilingually <laughs> awful? That's what I'm there saying, you right? Just be yeah. offensive to all. Right. <laughs> that's, well, that is the right way. That way they'll all know I'm American. <laughs> anyway, so this battle is representing a bridgehead scenario where uh, German attackers are trying to push their way through the final French fortification line there as the French desperately try to hold on to uh, the middle and southern France. Uh, so the scenario set up had a river running across the entire board uh, with a double-wide bridge in the very center of the board. 
and you won the scenario by having the most points worth of units within 12 inches of the bridge. Uh, in retrospect, I should have shortened that up to 6 inches because 12 inches from a double wide bridge is actually a fairly large area. But, you know, we learn these things as we go. So I think that was a pretty fun scenario. However, the Axis really dominated that scenario. But that might just be because they're better players or Rick didn't play a game of it. One or the I, other. I thought, the, I thought uh, Rocky won his. He's an allied player. That's true. Yeah, I forgot Rocky did win his on a beautiful, beautiful Pegasus bridge board provide. Thank you. Can't wait yeah. to get some uh, some good coats on that stuff. Yeah, it was super cool. Now, That's actually the perfect size. Now, to be fair, and no offense to Miles, he's brand new. He's a brand new player. Rocky was playing Miles, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. Not saying that's a hundred percent the reasoning. No, just no, saying. but it also does makes a Rocky's good point. Rocky's pretty new too. Yeah, it, I was it, just going to say, Rocky, it was like Rocky's fifth game maybe. So Yeah, it makes a good point that anybody that says the Japanese army is point and click with charges it's, is inaccurate because it was like Miles' first game, and if it was point and click, he would have still won that game. To be fair, he had to have them all cross a bridge, right? <laughs> it's like he's pretty funneled in. Well, yeah, Rocky played it, played it well. Um, okay. And even towards the end, Miles did have an opportunity um, but it's just, you know, it's one of those things. So um, I think the the real big thing that Rocky did right was he drove his Sherman um, right up to the bridge, right on top of the objective, and just parked it there. And Miles had three opportunities to shift it and, and wasn't able to. So then it just became a real struggle. So well, it, it gotcha. was fun. Yeah. And and the Axis, uh, the, the Axis players probably did better because I didn't play the scenario. I unfortunately... My wife was out of town and couldn't make it work as far as gaming. I think the one day I was going to play it, I think some people didn't bring their stuff with them or something. I don't remember exactly, but as it is, it was no big deal. Yeah. So anyway, it was a really interesting scenario. I, I Again, my favorite thing about writing's campaign is what I learn, you know, post-script. Because in my head, I have an idea of how every scenario is going to go and how all my victory conditions and special woes are going to go. And then I give these things to the guys to get out there in the field with them, and they never work exactly how I think it's worked. But uh, I always learn a lot, which is awesome. So that's pretty cool. Playtesting. Play wow, I wonder if anyone else knows about this. Yeah, right, right. But the I best... would say some of these scenarios have been very unique in, or like, you know, you've done a good job of borrowing from other game systems. Like, I know you picked one up from essentially War Machine, mm -hmm. and I thought it was a very fun scenario, and I'd hope to see that one again in the future. I know that, but... It was a really cool scenario as far as bolt action goes. Yeah, well, it's a long war. Believe me, you'll be seeing these again. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You don't want to have to make you keep writing new scenarios for forever. No, but the thing is, is the early war is good for hammering these things out. Because if I make that mistake late war where somebody can park a tiger on the bridge, and like, <laughs> okay, that's a bad. So, you know, I, I really like what I'm learning from this. Sweet, right on. Yeah, so, so that was then, the first one. Yeah, and then we had the second one, uh, which... I kept secret, which is when there's when there's going to be a rule that could be exploited if you know it ahead of time, I keep that scenario in my back pocket and I bring it in on paper and I hand it out to the guys that are going to play. Uh, and this one in particular was, since the Axis dominated the bridge scenario for the most part, uh, represented the Axis and Allies forces they're fighting. Um, you have the regional governor for the Paris district trying to decide if Paris, if he should declare Paris an open city and just say, basically surrendering the capital to the attacking German forces, or if they're going to continue to fight. And it's based on who gets to the regional governor's mansion first. So you're playing on a 6x4 six board the long way, uh, and both sides' deployment zone is in a 6x6 six six inch, the corner of the board is a short edge, a far short edge. And they've both got to advance down the board and have an infantry unit occupy that building at the end of a turn, and then they will win the game. So, of course, if you if you load up with lots of trucks, that makes this kind of skewed and unbalanced. But if you don't know about it and you have all infantry or you bring tanks or mortars or artillery pieces, 
they're effectively worthless for this because they're just so hard to get in position to do anything, and they're non-scoring. So I was trying out uh, that one to see what a race game would look like down a 6x4 board, and actually I think it worked out pretty well. I'd have to ask, you'd have to ask the other players what they really felt of it, but I was pretty pleased with how it played out amongst the players. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that Jesse was totally keen on it, but that's because I brought a truck. I, I had, you know, I had a truck and I had a road four inches from my deployment zone. So I basically got a truck into the, onto the road first turn yeah. or the first turn I was available. And then basically so, I was two thirds of the way across the board the next so turn. I'd like, to, I'd like to point out that in the scenario sheet I gave you, the only road is supposed to be in the exact center of the board running the length of it. So you should have had to not been in your deployment zone and had to come all the way out to center of the board to get over. Oh, it, it probably wouldn't even have mattered then because I could have still gotten on the road that turn. And yeah, but the you other, would have taken another turn to drive the forty-eight inch on the No, board. it took me two turns. I didn't have a de- I didn't have a road in my deployment zone, so I could have made it onto the road first turn and then mm-hmm. done the same thing. True, and he, then he's got to be aware of that and try and put pins yep, on that truck. Yep, yeah, and the, the he unfortunately his truck or his not his truck his uh, his tank failed to uh, to to come on the board the turn that he really needed it to come on the board, and oh. then it was too late. So yeah, and that happens. So. He also, to be fair, he also had a truck with a unit inside it. He chose not to bring it on, which I thought was like a really silly mistake on his part. He should yeah. have just brought it on. I'm like, it would have been like a drag race to the to the building. Sure, and then one of you's got to hold that building at the end. We know how yep. bloody close combat is. So. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It would have been. It would have been an interesting fight, but. Yep. As it was. Yeah. As right. it was, I think it was interesting. I really like that we're starting to get enough train buildings where we can have nice look buildings representing the objectives down the road. That makes me happy inside to see table. Yeah, please forgive us. We didn't take pictures of this this weekend. This week, we all kind of forgot. So, well, we're all too excited. We'll get pictures next week because I'm sure some guys will play this. There you go. Yeah, hopefully they will. It was it was fun for me, especially given the fact that uh, the unit that I that I wrote up I wrote up a thing for you, so I got some kind of free upgrade. Um, was the unit in the truck, and they ended up jumping into the building real quick, and then they Perfect. blew up Jesse's tank. <laughs> so, like, technically, I won the game turn two. Right, so I had a unit in there. And he had nothing that could contest it or get me or or dislodge me from the building. So I won the game on turn two, and I'm like, "Well, that's lame." And Jesse was like, "Yeah, we it took longer to set the table up than it did to actually play the game." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like, you want to keep playing?" And he's like, "Yeah, let's keep playing. Let's just shoot at each other." And so we kept playing, and we tried to keep getting the building. And so he rolled his tank up there, you know, did a bunch of damage to my unit, and then my the GBR thirty nine or is that what it is? GBR thirty nine, I think. I believe that's uh, correct. Uh, the the grenade launcher that they got that you that I upgraded or got as a free upgrade, which was totally awesome, decided to take the tank out. So I felt pretty good about that one too. That's all. Yeah. So yeah, it was. I, I had a great time playing against Jesse. I think he was a little frustrated that I won so quickly. Yeah. Or, well, you you gotta. Pay I attention. think surprise would have been wiser. Yeah, I think he kind of saw me do the thing with my truck, and he's like, "Oh crap! Why didn't I do that?" And I'm like, "I don't know, man. Well, he's like, like, should have done he's that." Like truck central. Well, so part of the scenario is that you can only bring two units out a turn, right? So Jesse yep, didn't. Yep. Jesse brought a unit out, and then I'm like, "Okay, I bring my truck out with a unit inside it." And he's like, "Oh crap! I didn't think of that." And I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Now I'm gonna haul." Like, and so it was kind of a it was oopsie daisy, but it's it's no big deal. I, it was fun for me to to race across the table. So awesome! So we got one more week of this one, and then we're gonna do another one, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Well, one more week of this one, then we'll be a uh, final cap for fall. Rote, was that correct there, Dale? Yes, rote is rote. red. Excellent. See, I do try to learn things occasionally. You don't just keep calling a B-A-R a bar? 
Right, I don't do that. Yeah, that's just me and my thick head, right? Unless you got yeah, a couple martinis. Uh, I'm drinking. I'm drinking a homebrew stout tonight. It's actually, you know, it's almost. I want to say it's almost nine months old, and it tastes delicious. What were you brewing this weekend? Uh, I brewed a honey kolsch. So we'll see how that one tastes. I, I will see. I this is an experimental beer. Good times. But if not, I will bring it. <laughs> if I don't like it, I'll put it in give it to and somebody give it to else. Everyone else, yeah. <laughs> This is terrible. Try it. Yeah. No, I won't say that. I'll just be like, hey, here, have some beer. Everyone's like, gee, thanks. Especially Minnesota. They're like, they, and they'll drink it all, too. They don't. They oh, don't sure. Yeah, stop. thanks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, well, well, well I Dale and I had a slightly different result. We didn't. We didn't. Oh, yeah. Neither one of us. I mean, Dale and I squared off in the same scenario, too. Uh, neither one of us had any vehicles, but both of us had motor teams, which we collectively and separately decided was good to bring those out first because we each had spotters with our mortars. And, of course, with the order dice, you can either move the mortar or move the spotter. You don't get to move them both. So we wanted, rather than take two turns to get the piece that, as Jeff pointed out, really didn't weigh well in this in this scenario on the board, we did. Do you so guys have was, forward deployment? Did you use forward deployment? We were actually talking about no. that, Jesse and I were. No, no, no there's no, no forward deployment. No, no so you couldn't. No outflanking. Okay, right. that's that's an important like because if you got a spotter and you got to put him up the table, and Jesse and I were joking about that. If we had snipers or even spotters just racing him to the mansion, <laughs> just like put him someplace well, and just spotter keep him is not an infantry unit, I don't think. Yeah, oh, it's true. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah, but he's a mortar. Medium, he's part of an infantry. Yeah, medium mortar counts as infantry. Yep. Okay. Yeah, fortunately, the scenario rider was. Um, available for questions and he quickly clarified there was no advanced deployment yeah that's that's the only way you can play the race thing because otherwise yeah you just run your sniper in there real fast mm-hmm. yeah it worked cool. out well so i think i think the big thing was i i actually had uh, one more infantry units um than pat did and that seemed to it actually it kind of greased the wheels of me getting forward and when it came to reserve rolls none of my infantry units um failed their reserve rolls so i got them out and they started making the, the trip so yeah and i i had one of my actually I had my veterans no it was one of my regulars failed getting out of like one of the turns like early on so i was like automatically like 12 inches behind the race down the board Right, so that put me in a position where I could cover the advancements of the others, and then at the end of the game I could choose, because um, the idea is not just to occupy the building, but you had to occupy it and hold it through the turn. And so with the counter charges and everything, I got my unit in and had enough of a buffer and eliminated his units that, that I got it there in. So. Plus he failed an order check on, on an advance roll. Well, and you, you, you chose between getting in position for the building or pinning or getting a couple of pins in that unit, and that turned out to make the world of difference. Yeah. So it was so. it was uh, close right up until the point where I lost. Yeah. Although you did move over your um, your artillery piece to maybe try to knock down the uh, uh, the governor's house, and I was, I was kind of curious how that would go over politically with, with the British... Um, blowing up the governor's house. <laughs> if you can't beat him, destroy him, right? <laughs> Did you have a little salt-the-earth mentality going on there, Pat? If I can't have it, no one can. That's kind yeah, of what I was thinking. Well, I was thinking that was the only chance, that was like my last-ditch effort to try and push if he'd had like a smaller unit or his unit had got reduced down to like two, three guys. I could have done, you know, D6 and possibly gotten, you know, a couple guys out of the building. That was my last-ditch Hail Mary effort, which I never, never even had, never got the ball back to make that pass. Yeah, I ended up moving a full unit of 12 guys into it, and there he just, there wasn't enough on the board to eliminate all with a perfect rules even. 
Well, there is something loud going in someone's background. Yeah, my daughter and, and my wife are, are yucking it up somewhere in the other part <laughs> of the house. So. Awesome. Yeah, no, I think your game looked a lot more thoughtful and, uh, uh, well, slower played anyway. I don't know if it was more thoughtful, but our game our game lasted for a very short period of time, and then we just started blowing each other up. I think we both had, like, our mortars left by the end of it. Like, we had nothing left. We just kept going until everybody got destroyed. I think Jesse might have had a unit left, too. I don't know. It was pretty bloody. I, I will say the one thing I got out of that game was I really liked the motorcycle machine gun and the medium machine gun together, like holding down an area together. That actually makes it kind of scary. So it's, it's a good little suppression piece. Oh, good to know because I've got my uh, my airborne jeeps with uh, with twin machine guns that I'll be testing out. So it's kind of like the same same concept there. Do you know it works? Yeah. No, it's it. Well, twin twin MMGs is probably better even. Like like uh, four dice better against uh, yours because you get six on yours, correct? Right. Correct. We'll get into that in a second here. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think we talked about MMGs and their use. Um, your usage, I think I like the way that Jeff put it. The mortars are good for displacing units and making units move, and MMGs are good for creating a space where you you don't want units to move through. So that makes sense. Correct. Yeah, but I feel like one is not enough. That's why I liked two of them, because they, they were able to actually do some, some heavy work. He had multiple, like, 12-man units coming towards, like, trying. he was basically trying to stop me before I could start, essentially, is what he was doing, is you're trying to get near enough to my deployment zone where I couldn't get past it. And my machine guns were like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to melt some faces and that actually did oh, the job. Interesting. So instead of heading directly to the objective, he was trying to cut you off to, right. To he was trying to slow path. me down. Okay. Right. He was trying to slow me down. He, not that he didn't send stuff forward. He did send a unit towards the objective, but most of his first initial waves were coming directly at me, trying to slow me down. And then I brought the truck out, and he's kind of like, oh, shit. He's like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do what I was going to do. But then he was able, you know, it, at that point, it was already kind of over. As soon as he realized I got my truck out, and then his tank failed to come out, that was pretty much where he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So it was, it was fun. But, yeah. So why, why don't we take a short break? And then unless there's anything else that we want to talk about in this, in this segment, I think we'll move on to the armies uh, of Germany. I had one little last note as we uh, jump into this next stage of the campaign, uh, campaign after Dunkirk. My unit was, uh, survived most of the battles and was key in all of it, got upgraded to veteran status. So now for the early part, for the early part of the war, I finally have a veteran unit on the table, which is outstanding. Uh, nice. Nicely done. That was uh, so. That must have been your upgrade for our, from Jeff. Yep, that was the upgrade Jeff gave me from Dunkirk. Right on. Okay, not 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 a grenade launcher, but I'd rather take that. But my unit was already veteran, so it doesn't. Really... Yeah, you you. This like the Axis uh, armies came out ready to fight or something like that. So <laughs> something they, like they have that. veterans and some experience and uh, yeah, and um, all mine are all just regulars. My only option. So now I actually got some vets on the table, which is awesome. Sweet. Yeah, we all got some pretty sweet upgrades in there. It's pretty cool. I was I was super psyched to get to use mine. It uh he gave me a the grenade launcher. The assault the assault engineers got their their grenade launcher and I wasn't going to I damn I, I will never pay for it, but I have it painted. <laughs> I was I'm like, heck yeah, now I get to play with it because I'm never going to actually use it otherwise. So, yeah, that was an awesome. That was it was awesome to get some cool upgrades. And I need our, to submit my 
my unit in writing, so I haven't gotten Jack yet. Ah, I will. Paperwork. Yeah, I'm a huge <laughs> jerk. I make everyone do paperwork. You know, I, I actually had a lot of fun. It made me go and research and try and find where these guys were, what they were doing. Like, you know, what do they call an NCO in Germany? Like in the in the you know in the Kiss up. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I like that Pat unmuted to cough and then muted again. That was brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, thanks, I'm, su- thanks, I'm subtly teaching you guys history one way or the other. Yeah, no, you're either making me go look up Wikipedia pages or not. Yeah, so no, it was pretty cool. Like, it was fun to, you know, it's not the best writing I've ever done, and I'm sure that there are some big gaping holes in it, but at least I got to look at a, you know, I looked at where this particular unit was and what they were doing and all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty, it was pretty entertaining for, you know, a half hour at work. I basically got to live a German unit's story. So right on. All right, I think we'll uh, we'll take a short break and we'll come back and talk about the armies of Germany. Yeah. 
right, welcome back. Uh, hopefully the music was great. I hope you liked it. We're going to talk about the armies of Germany now. So why don't we go through the army special rules? Pat, do you have the book open right now? Of course I have the book open. That's why I'm asking. All right, why don't you give us a rundown on, on the first rule? So the first rule is Blitzkrieg. Um, so for the German officers, the first and second lieutenants, and the captain and major, they all get to take an additional order dice out on the snap to action and assign it as normal. So their second lieutenant gets two dice, first lieutenant gets three, uh, captain gets four, and the major gets five. So that's, that's pretty sweet if you ask me. Not it's nice. insignificant. No. I mean, you can even, if you're, if you're doing your army on a budget and just run a second Louis, you're getting two dice in your snapped action. There's, that's nothing to sneeze at. Oh, it's essentially like, what, what is that? Like, so if first, from upgrading from a second lieutenant to a first is like a 25-point difference? Is that that right? sounds about right. 25. So, I mean, it's, a, it's a basically a 25-point upgrade, which is not awful. Well, what's the which, upgrade for captain and major? A lot. Is it? Is it a lot? That's, that's like, like 40 or 50 that's or something like that. 40 or 50, like it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a, that's a, it's a significant Five different dice. thing. Five dice is re- ridiculous. But the problem is is that when you buy him, you probably don't have five units you want to activate at the same time because you spend well, all the points that, on that keep guy. Keep in mind that Captain Major also have 12 inches of range for snap to action. Right. So, I'm just saying you aren't going to have any points left over for anything. Well, no, you're probably pa- playing a, a, a 1250 or a 1600 point game. Probably not a, a 750 or a 1000 point. Example. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily see him at a 1000 points, but I, you're right. Probably a 1250 you might start Perhaps seeing Perhaps at 1250 out. if you're a single platoon, you may consider it. Hint, hint, hint. Hint, 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 yeah. You might start seeing some fun toys at tournaments if we do it that way. Uh, anyway, well, we may touch on that again a little later because I actually had another thought about that. But so, so anyway, so yeah, even your first lieutenant, you, you're looking at possibly snapped action like a third of your force, roughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Order. Yeah, I mean, essentially, essentially, yeah, you'll you'll do three units depending on what they are. Um, not not insignificant. I think, like I said, I think it's like a on the low end, it's a 25 point upgrade. On the high end, it's a 40 or 50 point upgrade if you take the the captain instead of the major. You know, you at least get you're you're essentially always getting that one extra snap to action, which I think is worth something. But I'm a huge fan of this rule. I mean, you can really, really, really at a critical time in a game seize the initiative with and that extra dice for it. It's just well, let's say yeah. um, if you if you had the the highest level in any other army, you could snap to action. Was it four units? And with the plus two or the plus one on each of the German officers, you might be able to buy two lower level German officers and actually effectively pick up a high level officer because they can snap to action each other. Um, it might be a cheaper way to pull in multiple snap to action. So, I mean, there's that to think about as well. So. Yeah, I mean, even in my early war French, I have used a captain, a lieutenant, used a captain to snap two things and snap that lieutenant who then snapped two things. Flipping on so. right, and then you do that with Germans, and it's you can do it, you know, Even essentially more. more effectively or for cheaper points. Which exactly. you could effectively snap to action eight units without even well seven units because one of them has to be the major, but you could snap to action three plus the major plus four more units from him. Oh, no, you yeah, still get five. Is, Sorry, yeah. so you get two from the first one and five from the second one, so it's still seven. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's the trick is you know, I mean. You have to have the right units and in the right scenario. I mean, that's probably overkill. I mean, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, there's. I mean, I don't see a lot of circumstances where that is necessarily super good, but sometimes you might want that early game. But yeah, uh, Jeff, do you have the book open? No. Okay. Can you tell me what initiative training is anyway? 
Sure, initiative training is if your NCO gets greased, you get a roll to try and replace him. Awesome. Especially when guys like Pat love to roll uh, sixes or critical damage, killing you know, your NCOs all the time. Like all the time. Like so, all the time. Yeah. So it's really hard uh, to get rid of German NCO. They only actually remove the NCO on a roll of one on a D6. So that's a huge, huge rule uh, if guys are really good at rolls critical damage sixes on you. Yeah, totally. For the record, I typically only do that against Russians. Also true. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry, Jesse. Yeah, I, I just want to point out Jeff knows his rules. Like, just saying, like, can be asked questions and not even know what they are. Maybe that's just because the German rules are fairly easy and straightforward. Uh, Dale, do you want to tell me what Hitler's butt, butt, butt saw is? I keep saying butt saw. Butt saw. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the butt saw. I think that was a tool that Mrs. Hitler kept in the room for him, wasn't it? All right, that was uh, too much. But... I had a I had a quick comment on to to bring us back on track on the initiative training. I really like at the at the end of this that it specifically says uh, within the rules that if the NCO is successfully replaced, the unit does not suffer the usual minus one morale penalty for losing the NCO, which makes a lot of sense. But sometimes, depending upon how far you get into the rules and how much you go back and forth, there can always be some discussion about. But you did lose it. Well, now it's back. Well, does it really count? So I like that they actually said that it does count. Uh, so. They also do say that you don't remove that NCO model, so whatever weapon the NCO had stays in play. Okay, yeah. So I like. I think that's really clean, so I like that. That good rules. Right. All right, so Hitler's buzzsaw, ZZ or ZZ, depending upon what part of North you're in. Hitler's buzzsaw. Um, German light and medium machine guns fire one extra shot. And this counts for both infantry-based machine guns and the vehicle mounts. So I like it. And I'm, I'm, I kind of like, um, I tend to gravitate towards spam lists, where you take one element and you just kind of drive it into the ground. And so um, uh, uh, German army with a lot of machine guns uh, is appealing. So I think it's cool. I think that's funny. That's you and every other German player. Or, well, there's a lot more assault rifles too. But, yeah. No, I think it's a really great role. I... It, it almost makes, I think a lot of other people may debate whether or not they take an MMG or an LMG in a unit, but I think a lot of German players are like, yeah, I'll take that. It's it's worth it. At That number of dice at six or at 20 points is actually almost worth it or is worth it to me. Do you feel that um, the upgrade with version two where they added a shot to just the baseline uh, machine guns with the Hitler's buzzsaw on top of that, do you feel like that made this army rule better or it wasn't really that much of a change yes okay it, no it, it made a huge difference yeah the fact that they upgraded across the board all machine gun was a big deal but then the fact that we we still got the special rule made a huge difference i mean i could see even you know i, I could argue that maybe all machine guns are still a little underpowered comparatively but the heavy machine I, guns still got missed that boat with the extra dice yeah i'm a little disappointed with the hmg myself i, yeah. I honestly think that an hmg should still have four shots but I don't know. It, but, yeah, they're trying they to balance a game. Yeah, I mean, it's they're balancing a game. It's kind of like that's up to them to figure that out. They're still good for different reasons, but it's just a different little. It's a different toy. Um, the other big difference between the last edition and this edition is that the vehicles got the upgrade now. Before it was only infantry-based units, so the vehicles didn't get the upgrade, which I think was confusing to some. It can, I know it confused me when I first started playing. Like, well, this is an HMG, and I'm like, oh crap! I rolled one too many dice. Sorry. And then, like, like, let's roll that over again. And then, obviously, I would always do worse. So I think it was nice that they made all, like, the vehicles upgraded, too. 
and I don't think that made a huge significant difference in how well those those vehicles perform. So, so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a good rule. I think. I mean, all of all of the German heavy weapons are still kind of on par as far as points. Nothing is cheaper or more expensive than else. So you just get an extra dice. It's not an order dice, but it's an extra shooting dice. It's not. It's not a. It's not a free unit. And it, but, it is. It is only on LMGs and MMGs. Correct. They don't have access to HMGs, but they do have access to SMGs, I suppose. But I was going to say, I don't know that the Germans have an HM in the list. Are they anywhere? I don't think I've ever come across one. I don't think they have a single one. Really? Well. Uh, I think those are kind of unique to, like, you almost feel like the Americans, the Brits. Sorry, mate. It's like anything anything American made had the HMG, a 50 cal, but I don't think a lot of other things did. Which, of course, may be the reason they limit it to uh, three dice did not buff the HMG. Right. Because it's it just comes, I mean, it comes standard on so many American vehicles. Right, yeah. And it's got a different, it's a different, uh, you know, it's got a different use case in a lot of games. But that's, that's the U.S. Army. We didn't talk about the 50 cal or the HMGL that much. But, um, yeah, so the last one, I think I'll, I'll There take. are no more. That was, that was, that was all of them. There are no more. There are no more HMGs? No, there's no more special rules. They just got the three. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to forget about this one like just, everyone else does, yeah, right? Because well, everyone forgets about this oh rule when they're God, playing. Oh, my God, yes, they forget about it all the time. No, they don't. They they complain about it an awful lot because it's an amazing rule, which is uh, which is Go Tiger ahead. Fear. Everyone knows Tiger Fear. Well, maybe they don't. To, for those that don't know what it is, it is essentially uh, minus one morale on order checks across the board anytime you're doing something other than firing on a on a tiger so even if you have zero pins on the unit they will take an order check at minus one if they are not firing at the tiger anything that has line of sight to the to right. that object with tiger yeah so it's it can sit in the corner of the board and if anything can see it and they want to do something else they're going to have to take an order check at minus one to do whatever they were going to do it's it's pretty bonkers good in my opinion that being said i feel like you're paying a premium to get it so I think a lot of the tanks that have Tiger Fear are are quite pricey. That not, that being said, they're also pretty strong tanks. Isn't there one like in the mid two hundreds you can get with Tiger there's, Fear? W- there's one. We'll talk about it when we get to tanks. Sure. <laughs> now, is there a distinction between the fire order and the advance order for Tiger yes. Fear? Yes. So that is one of the few things that that people get caught by a lot, or that are they you know Pat had somebody argue against themselves in this circumstance. But it does say fire in capital letters in italics, not not advance in fire or anything like that. It's just fire. It's very yeah. explicitly clear that like it kind of makes sense. Like I thought about it more and more because I was kind of like, why the hell would they not let you advance in fire? Well, nobody's really going to run towards a tank. It doesn't make a lot of sense, especially one that they know is so scary. The rule is cool. I, I mean, I don't know if how accurate it is. I think a lot of people would argue that it's not as accurate. I know that people were pretty scared of tigers, um, but there were it was it was very fairly late war, and I don't think it was quite as quite as scary as they made it out to be. And quite honestly, if they saw a tiger, they were going to still try and blow it up, and a lot of them did get blown up. Sure, if they were issued an order to fire, they would shoot at it. Right. So this didn't actually get cleared up in a fact or in the fact or thing. I take it. I don't think it actually needs to be clarified because it actually is very explicit. Okay. On well, I'm, what I'm not disagreeing with you. So. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think if if you actually look at it and sit down and read it, you would agree with me that you're like, yeah, that's that's their intent. Like the rule as written is what they intended because of the way they wrote it with the with the capitalized letters and the italics. It, it makes it very clear that the keyword that they're using is fire, not advance. So it's kind of one of those weird. 
Like, did they really intend that? But I also understand why nobody's going to try and run at a tank if they can just shoot at a tank. You know, don't don't run into the path of their HMD or their MMGs. I don't know. That's at least my take on it. I don't know if Jeff has a thought on that. I was kind of spacing out there. Sorry. You, you no, asked it's okay. if I have a thought about the fact that it's a fire order versus an order. Well, it was more like just the idea of Tiger Fear in general, the rule as a oh. rule as a whole. How historic does that feel? Well, look, um, I think it's fairly historical in in so much as that when especially American forces encountered Tiger tanks, they were an absolute terror on the battlefield. And no one wanted to see a Tiger tank out. And the other thing soldiers are very good at, uh, especially the low, is misidentifying people. So if that Panzer IV kind of looks like it has sort of the same shape as a Tiger, which it does, it's boxy. It's got the front, the flat front glacius. Um, they're not going to call it a Tiger because they're scared pantless of it. And they want whatever big guns they have on, on tap to come up and take care of it rather than having to take care of it. So I think historically, it's a great rule. It's, it's annoying in a war game if you're playing against it. But I don't find it a historical. I think it's pretty good. Oh, right on. Okay. I I mean I like it. <laughs> I'm not going to complain about that rule. That's because you I get think, it. Well, yeah, it's a great yeah, rule. yeah. It's a great. I rule. think people complain a little bit when I bring the the Panzer IV off G. You know, that's I, the one that gets Tiger Fear, and I think I've, a lot of people I've are played against about that one. Tiger Fear, and it was it was essentially a, a null effect. I mean, yes, you're having to roll dice, and yes, there's you know that chance. So if you've got your regular unit which doesn't have any pins, so they're at nine, so they're being counted at pins now. Now they you know they have to roll a dice, and they've got you know like what a seventy two percent chance of succeeding on that. I mean, the odds are still in their favor. They get a pin or two, and their odds drop dramatically. But if they had pins, they'd be making the roll anyway. It Having to make a roll is a chance that something can go wrong, and it plays really well. And there's ways to mitigate that, uh, especially going with full-strength squads, which you can re-roll that failed order check if need be. It's 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 good. It, it's not it's not game-breaking by any extent. No, I think it. I think a lot of people over uh, they exaggerate this rule a little bit, right? They they get a little bit more upset about this rule than most. And I think part of that is because the tanks that, that you have to buy to bring it are all really good tanks still too, right? Like that's part of it is that I think people are realizing hey, this is a special role, but it's also on a tiger, which if somebody brought a tiger to the game, yeah, that tiger is going to be pretty, it's, it's going to hopefully, or hopefully for the German player, you know, make a significant impact in the game. Isn't it like 400 points? Yeah, it's a lot of points. It's it's not cheap. We'll get there in a minute. Right. And the other thing you got to remember is people are always going to remember that game where they failed the Tiger Fear role. You know, and they're going to be like, oh, that rule so because I failed at one time. And they're not going to really remember the games where they made, like, ten of the rules. Right? right. And it didn't it's have the, an effect. It's the time it does have an effect. They're going to remember that, stick in the craw, and they're going to not be happy. But Right. It's a little bit of an observational bias there. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's that. a bad rule. Really? I do. You think it's bad for the game or bad for the Germans? I Which, think what it's, do you mean by bad? I think it's a bad rule. I understand why it's there, and I like, I like... I don't mind it being part of the Germans and, um, you know, it, it's to reflect the way that, you know, the Germans used the Tigers and the impact that they had. I think it's a bad rule because it nerfs, um, it nerfs everybody else's units. And when, when a rule, so, you know, we all get, you know, we all put our lists on the table and we pay X number of points for those lists. And if you're playing someone who puts that piece on the on the other end of the table and it automatically makes your army worse because it's there, it nerfs your army. And I don't like rules that nerf um, other people's units, especially if they've paid points for those units. I like those free units. I like those buffs. 
I think those are fun, and it gets people excited about their army lists. Um, I don't like rules that nerf, in particular, um, your opponents, units, or armies, because that feels bad when it just feels bad to play. And so I think that's what the biggest beef is that most people have. It's not that they failed that order check. It's that it makes their whole army worse, and they've paid the same number of points. Do you see what I'm saying? I just think it's, you know, I just think it's... I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. And so I think that is bad rules writing. So I, I mean, I agree with you to an extent, but I also like, uh, I'm going to take, for instance, the, the initiative training rule here too, because in a sense, it's kind of like the inverse. It's, it is an upgrade to my unit, but you killed my NCO and then I brought my NCO back. Is that not kind of in a way nerfing other units? Um, somewhat, a little bit, but it's, it's, it's not in the same way as, you know, I, I, it is a little bit, and yeah, I mean, a lot of these rules are, you know, buffs and nerfs kind of combined and stuff like that, but, you know, it doesn't, it is a small nerf in the, in the way, but it doesn't have, it's not, it doesn't diminish the capacity of your entire army, um, at all to the, to the same lengths. True. So, I, th- I think I think it makes you think a little differently, though, Dale, because I think there are ways to mitigate. There are absolutely tiger fear. I mean, it's very easy to, to if, if the smoke rocks weren't, weren't broken, it'd be pretty good. Oh, if if smoke was if smoke was actually worked the way we'd want it to, then you're right. Tiger would tiger fear would not be a problem. You drop a smoke right in front of the ti- right in front of the tiger, and then you'd move around. I, I mean, there's I, so many ways you could do it. But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't ways to combat it, and I'm not even saying it's unbalanced. I'm just I just don't like rules that make the people that we play against angry or frustrated or throw up their arms or you know I just you know I've never been a fan of those rules that are nerfs as opposed to I mean you think about it anytime a new army book would come out you know in other games we're like well that got nerfed and now I feel like crap because this unit isn't as good well every time you face off against a tiger that has nerfed your army list just because it's there so it's kind of a little bit just in that in that flavor. And so I, again, if I were a rules writer, I would always work the hardest I could to make a rule that buffs a unit or makes the person playing it excited about it. That's all. So how would you rewrite the Tiger Fear? Yeah, that's the follow-up question. And the thing yeah. is, is, having thought about <laughs> it, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. Make it harder to kill. You know, um, you know, I'm not really sure. But, I can I can think of multiple ways you could make a tank rule work for Germans. Like I I there there could be a multitude of ways you could fix that problem without having to think too hard about it. You could give them just a discount on their tanks. You could make that tiger a little bit cheaper, and I think a lot of Germans would be happy. Well, um, but that wouldn't reflect tiger fear. That would reflect a manufacturing or an industrial their capabilities to have capability. multiple multi, have yeah. I mean it is, but it's you know that's. I'm thinking of tank rules in general. I'm not necessarily right. saying I don't, tank, replacing tank fear. Yeah, and that's I, that's the double-edged sword. You know, I say that I don't like the rule. You know, but that doesn't mean that it isn't the best rule that we can get or can come up, or can come up with. So it's just it's just a goofy pet peeve. Line, so yeah, and I totally understand it. It is kind of it is an inverse compared to what most of the armies get. I mean, arguably, I would say you know. Pat's rapid fire, you know, the British rapid fire, not Pat's rapid fire, can be just as boring or just as detrimental to your army. You know, like some buffs are so good to units that it really sucks playing against them. Like you're like, yeah, my unit just got melted by this thing. 
you know, that like, I don't know that it makes a difference, you know, facing Gurkhas, technically that's a buff, but it really is a debuff to, you know, like a, well, yeah, a and so, to a unit. Right. So the scary blighters, it's like, it's not that they have two attacks each and, you know, they're tough fighters, but it's that you lose half of your attacks. And it's that part of the rule that kind of always grinds everybody's gears. It's because, you know, I've paid X number of points for this unit and all of a sudden now it's half as effective in this scenario because of what you brought. Well... That's poop. I don't like that. In the same yeah. way that I always had a big issue with the spell scrolls, an automatic, nope, you don't get to do that. Well, I paid the points and I rolled the dice <laughs> and I invested the, the resources and you automatically nullify that. Well, that doesn't feel very good. So I've just never been, you know, that's just how it is. Says, I think, didn't you take like multiples when you could? No. Okay. All right. I wasn't a dwarf it's getting player. into a different game system anyway. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna edge in here too though, Dale, and, and if we're gonna go with that route on I'm gonna mention the fact that I feel that way about the bonsai rule of the Japanese army where normally you can put pins on guys, but these guys just get to ignore pins and laugh about. It. Yeah, that kinda sucks too. So to me every army has something like this, so I don't really find it to be perfectly honest. Right. right, and that's um and that's a fair point in in that here's something the fanatic rule that most armies have to pay three points for. And so it's not it's not exactly the same, but the mechanic is effectively the same where you've invested X number of resources to put the pins on that unit and hi ho here come the Japanese, all they have to do is yell bonsai and run towards the nearest visible unit and they get to automatically pass that check and, and lose a pin. So um and again it's one of those things that it's kinda like you know, I just never you know, if if there's some rules that you know, so you know, it, you're right. It is it is kind of the same thing. And you know, like I said, um, I always find rules that both players enjoy, even the buffs. I guess it depends upon your attitude. Um, always make for better games, more fun games. You never want to, you know, wrap up a game at the end, shake a guy's hand, and then he's kind of got that look on his face and shrugs his shoulders and yeah, nice tiger fear. I mean, that doesn't feel good for anybody. So, I think there are key points in any game where. Tiger fear makes a difference, but then you could like invert, you could like, you could look at the other side and say, here's where your special rule made a difference in your game. Like, you know, it goes both ways. And I think that's where people are getting a little hung up on this rule. I think to Jeff's point, there's a little, maybe a little observational bias that, you know, people, people dislike this rule. I I don't think anyone is really keen on this rule and I'm not sure. It essentially adds an extra pin to whatever's, whatever's going on to it. And that, 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 you know, the number of times you've made or missed that order checked by one is, well, whether it's observational bias or not, it's, it's a lot. I think, I think there's an important distinction. It doesn't add an extra pin. It adds an automatic pin. So if you have zero, it, you now have one. So the extra one, it sounds like it adds on to what you already have, but it's not like that. It, you, it's 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 that first pin whether you have it or not, which means um, you know nine to an eight, like you guys say, is a big deal. Eight to a seven is a big deal. If you run in a horde of of green inexperienced guys, you're just you're not going to be able to do anything. So I think, and and we've talked a little bit about it, and so maybe we should go into you know what are the best ways to mitigate that, so we can kind of help people get over the hump of how they might be feeling negatively about Tiger. Sure, right on. I, I well, mean and- that was. Go to ahead. be fair, the the penalty only applies to the order check, so it's not like an actual pin. So it's not affecting your your ability to shoot modifier and stuff like that. So, right, I think I, I think you have to change your playstyle a little bit towards it as well. Um, one of the first things I can think of to help mitigate that problem is bringing your lieutenant and using your lieutenant in a proper way to try and protect whatever whatever 
piece of your army, you need to do that, right? So now you're, you know, if you've got a uh, first lieutenant, you're adding plus two. So as long as they don't have, they have less than one pin on them, they're going to be checking at full morale no matter what. So yes, they're still going to have to take the check, but that's that's kind of the nature of it. And and Pat alluded to something else that could fix the problem too, is taking full full man squads, right? So if they haven't taken any any casualties yet, then being able to recheck re-roll that test is at least something. So you can you know buff your buff your leadership or your command. And and try and make it so that you can re-roll that check. Those are two things that I think right off the bat you do to prevent Tiger from being a problem. Yeah, I agree. You just you got to be a little more cautious with where you're placing your right. officers and commanders and such. I also right. think you have to consider, because this is one of those units that can take your battle plan and just stop it dead in its tracks if you if you lose that one order test. And so, uh, along with, uh, to piggyback what, what Rick and Jeff are talking about, you know, making sure your units to their best capability, re-rolls positioning of, of lieutenants, I think that you really need to also think about list redundancy as far as objectives go. And so, if you're in a situation where you've only got one unit at this point of the game, where uh, they can capture that objective to win the game and they fail their tiger fear rule, they don't get there and you lose, then you have to prepare yourself you know, with redundancy where if that one unit lets it go, then you have to make sure there's a backup, that backup there to get through it so that... Um, and redundancy is the same thing with like the rerolls and things like that. So that's another, that's another way about it too. I've, I've actually found the best counter for tiger fear is a 17-pounder. I had the games I was playing, they were hiding those tanks so badly that they were affecting very few units, if any, in most of the game. They, the, the, the kitties were very scared of the 17-pounder, as well they should be. So uh, that's The, the lesser-known 17-pounder fear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was not written anywhere, but, you know, plus seven pens going to make any big tank hide. So, so in non-British terms, take some kind of heavy artillery piece. I think that's one of the things Super you can Super anti-tank, yes. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, yes, people are going to be afraid of that. I feel like maybe in that circumstance, I think, I think as, a, as a player of the Germans and that aspect of things, if you're investing that many points in a tank and you're not doing anything with it, you're, you're being foolish, right? You're, it, it, you know, seven out of ten games, it's going to get blown up, but it better have done some damage before it did instead of hiding in a corner like a little chicken, you know? You need to get that tank out there and doing as good as as I can attest to you in the in the team tournament. I had a Panzer IV off G, which was Tiger Fear, and we were afraid to move it around because there were way more tanks than we were expecting, and we only had the one, and we always felt like we were going to lose it. Well, if that's the case, then then you're not. It's not doing anything. It's not. Then Tiger Fear doesn't matter, and that's something that, like you said, Pat, if you can scare if you can scare your opponent. You know, if you have something that's going to scare them, make sure it's in a place where that if they want to bring their tiger or their tiger or their panzer or their panther in into the game, it's going to hurt. You're going to make them have to pay for it at least. You just got to declaw the kitties. Yep, yep, a little bit. Yeah, so I think I think we've given you some everyone some good thoughts, right, Dale? I mean, do you feel like there's anything else that you like? Well, yeah. There's only one other thing that I I think I'd like to add in previous game systems as we move from uh, edition to edition, some things will shift sometimes. Going from a true line of sight to you know a, a standard line of sight, different things like that, and because the line of sight is super important here, um, maybe there needs to be a shift with the boards where there's more actual line of sight blocking um, pieces of terrain because that could go a long ways towards mitigating the impact of of tiger fear. So if you're in an urban board and there are enough big buildings, 
Um, you can move from building to building or not in the building, but, you know, around buildings. And that would actually allow you to get across the board or into space and limit a little bit of um, of that impact. So I don't know. Maybe there's uh, a shift that we need to make as a community to decide, like, you know, we can't play on an airfield or a desert all the time. We need to, you know, put in some of that line of sight blocking stuff. So I maybe like that's something to desert. think about. Hey, just keep playing in the desert. Many of those, many of those uh, Tiger Fear tanks can just roll through buildings. That that they can, but I, I mean, it, and I'll I'll say this, and I say this about every 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 time you bring up like tables. I think there needs to be a strong variety in tables, and I think that you know there should be tables that would hinder a tiger, and there should be tables that you know are somewhat beneficial. Maybe not you know maybe not super beneficial, but at least have some benefit or or lack of detriment. How about that? Not even a benefit, just lack of lack of detriment. That's a better way to describe it. Sure. Idea. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, just just a good strong variety between tables so that nobody tries to bring a list that isn't in a sense balanced. It's you know, you're striving for balance across, you know, so, harmony. So don't yang, make a board right? with a with a display perch for the tiger, you're saying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't have the yeah, don't <laughs> have the catwalk for the for the kitty. Um no, yeah, I think that's the key point is just basically make it so you know, in a lot of games we've played, you know, there's a lot of things where you're like, okay, you want to do this? That's fine. You can do it. You're going to have to, you know, in some circumstance or some idea, you're going to have to make some sacrifice to make that happen. It, it just kind of goes both ways, right? Yeah. yeah. And if uh, if that tiger is going to be out in the open, then as as its opponent, you need to be prepared to make it pay for being so. Right. It's it's equally as important. You know, there's lots of other tanks that are similarly, you know, the Russians have some similarly armored, you know, tanks. There's there are lots of tanks that are strong. It just so happens that this one's strong and it has this extra, which makes a difference. So I think all of the things that we just we discussed or suggested would it would be good ways of helping deal with tiger fear. And I don't you know, you know, we're talking about it in, you know, in theory craft here, like we're like we haven't really faced that much tiger fear. Um, so these are all thoughts, but they, you know, we don't know if they completely all work or if they, if they, you know, if there are other ways to deal with it. If you guys have any other ideas, you can post them on Facebook. We'd love to hear what you, what people think, um, whether or not we're off base or not. Yeah. If you take the fire order and and remove the the problem, then, you know, that also helps too. You don't have to worry about tiger fear. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the easiest way is just to actually shoot it off the table. But sometimes that's kind of hard. Easier said than done in most cases. Right. Yeah. Usually, usually your tiger is going to respond in some fashion. So, it's kind of, again, it's one of those other redundancies where you have a heavy artillery piece and you might have some anti-tank tech, you know, uh, your own tank might be able to take it on face-to-face, but you need to make sure you have both of those things if that's the case. I think it's just going to help dictate a list, and that's, it's kind of unfortunate in that sense, Dale. I kind of agree with you that it, it, may, it may make you write a list a certain way knowing you're going to have to face tigers. Yeah, it's you have to be, eh, you know. I mean, it's it really is, and it's tough too because I'm just thinking from a competitive standpoint in regards to a standard tournament and likely scenarios. Um, you know, there's so much overlap that you can build into a list, and this is just one of those one of those things where you know you calculate the likelihood that you're gonna you know have a German opponent. Um, how do you feel about the likelihood there's going to be Tiger? And so then how how do you build that? And is there some overlap in regards to if you're building a list a certain way? You don't want to lock yourself into being good in only one way. You have to take into consideration everything else. Um, and so the question is, do you you know do you really feel like Tiger Fear is that big of a rule that you have to build a list to with that in mind? And I don't know the answer to that. Right on. All right. I think we've we've beaten this kitty uh, to death here at least eight times. So let's move on. Let's move on to the infantry units. 
So, I mean, I think the big one that everyone sees a lot of are the Falschmann-Jager, which, did I, I pronounce that right this time? Uh, Jager or Jaeger, it all depends, I suppose, Falschmann-Jager. Ja- yep. Jaeger is a filthy, awful alcoholic drink. So we're not going, we're going to see Jager. <laughs> Anyone wants to <laughs> Fair enough. Which is not a filthy, awful drink. <laughs> it's a tasty drink. Actually, I, I will drink, I will drink. Uh, you'll drink anything too. just to <laughs> especially anything. if it's the first night of a weekend tournament yeah not turpentine i'm I, not going to go that far you, you might no no i'm usually i'm pretty smart in smrt <laughs> what was that that is me no. laughing when you just said you are pretty smart when you're drinking <laughs> not smart like i said i'm smart smrt anyway yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. So the Falsham Jagger. Uh, well, why don't we just go through what what we think are like? I feel like every unit they have can take an LMG. I think there might be a few exceptions to the rule. I don't think there are many other ones. Uh, the big difference is that I think the Falsham Jagger and I think the late war Grenadiers can take assault rifles, and I think they can take assault rifles on everyone. Aren't the Falsham Jagger basically just like paratroopers? Can't you they are paratroopers. German, they were paratroopers. paratroopers. Yeah, they were. So they were paratroopers early. And then basically, essentially, what happened was I don't remember what they jumped into, but they Crete. they started. Yeah, it was Crete. Where was it? Crete. Yeah, and so basically, they were getting blasted out of the sky. Somebody finally, I think, people finally figured out what they were doing because they were kind of the original paratroopers, were they not? Kind of like started this whole craze about para, you know yeah. dropping in on top of stuff. They were the original, most effective. They, right. they didn't really pioneer the idea, but they were the first to do it effectively. And in early war. They were still not that effective at it because, like, they weren't even dropping with their guns for crying out loud. They were uh, <laughs> dropping crates it, with it, them, <laughs> and hoping would they would get them. With you, my friend. What's that? Ibn Amal would disagree with I, you that they were not effective. They were still <laughs> effective. I'm not saying that they weren't. I just thought it was a this is a humorous little you know historic tidbit that they were they weren't actually dropping with their guns. They were actually there. They would go find a crate and grab the guns out of the crate when they got down. You know, and you know. If I were thinking as a as someone, I'd be like, "Hey, maybe we should have them have their guns while they jump." And just just saying, you know, you know, hindsight maybe. Hey, but the best ideas don't always come first. Well, right, and you generally aren't considering the fact that you're jumping into directly in combat. Like, True. You want to be able to land, get set, and organize, and then fight. Right. Like, kind of a stealthy. It's supposed to be kind of stealthier. You know, you're, you're not right, supposed to know yeah. that they're there. Right. I mean, if you you don't want to be getting shot in the parachute on the last twenty, so no, that would that would pretty much be that that would be the suck. Yeah. That's not fun. So, I mean, so that's kind of what happened with them, right? Is So essentially they, they stopped being as effective because people were catching on to their tactics. So they started getting attached as a normal infantry squad, and they just were hard fighters, essentially. They were a little bit – they had some role, but they were not the same late war. Well, they're, they're still pretty elite fighters I mean, yeah. until the very last stage of the war when they just started filling the ranks out because it was a cool – Right. I mean, because arguably, like, you know, the, the SS had their own paratroopers as well. If I remember correctly, I do not know that answer for sure. So you've stumped me on research. I'm like, I'm 99% certain that the SS had their own. Uh, their, or maybe I'm thinking of uh, maybe I'm thinking of the uh, the Brandenburgers. Actually, now that I think about, it, I think I'm thinking about the Brandenburgers. Like they had similar like uh, gaslight units. So Falschmager are cool. Uh, good veteran entry. <laughs> I, I think they are very cool. I actually. I have a whole bunch of them and I haven't painted them because they're they're camo socks. It's the the splinter pan, the splinter paintings like it's really rough. It's it's a hard thing to paint. 
Uh, so, no offense, but like you've got to be like epic levels of good to make camouflage look good on twenty dollar. It's and, it's not a knock on anyone's painting skill. It's just camo patterns don't look good typically because the colors just blend together, which is what they're supposed to do. I'm mean, supposed to break up outline, right? But that's really tough to do in small. Right. Thank God oh. I don't just suck because I yeah I've had the same I've kind of did the same trouble with the paratrooper camouflage. It's just it's it's a struggle. I got I got all the colors that you know they're recommending and I'm painting the little patterns here and there and doing this and it's just it, it it looks terrible. It looks like I did like a really crappy highlighting job on it. Yeah, it's it's a trick. I'm sure we'll uh we'll we'll find a way to we'll find some technique and we'll share it out with every with with our group or everyone if everyone wants to. Or if someone it. has it, please send me a link. Yeah, no doubt. Please. If there's a YouTube video somewhere, something. Show me, show me Wapple how Wapple paints it. Wapple, how do you paint paratroopers, German or British? I don't care. Either yeah, one. I know. I know he's painting bolt action. That's why I brought up is because I've been seeing him painting tanks and things. So yeah, I haven't seen. He usually does a pretty good job. Kind of uh, lets you know how he did. So yeah, yeah he was at Adepticon this year. He, yeah, he I was think at, he's at Adepticon booth. every year. Well, yeah, he was, but he was painting at. Uh, a tank at the Trenchwork yes. booth. Yes. Yep. Oh, cool. Yeah, as a race, it was actually pretty interesting. Was he wearing uh, anyway. his um, Confederate hat? Uh, no, I think he may have taken it off for this little oh, okay. endeavor. I don't, I don't think I've ever not seen him without that on. Yeah, and you know, I you've got me stumped. I don't know. I wasn't paying that close attention to what he looked like. I was looking at what he was painting. Yeah, I was. I was looking at the tank. Yeah, that's. Yeah. yeah and then walking away, I'm like, "Isn't that Jeff? Isn't that Wobble?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, like his, his voice is very distinct. You'd recognize it away. Yes. Anyway, so that was that was the Falsham Yager. Uh, let's go into the here, here, right? That's right. Anyone, anyone? Here, there, everywhere. This yeah, one, here. I'm not sure on. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. That's probably what it is. It's not hair, but I think it's here. I think it's here, yeah. but that's my guess. Um, I, again, I don't think they're anything special other than that they can be put on bikes. Nobody, almost nobody takes that option. I think it's an intriguing option sometimes, but it's not... It's not that spe- that special. No, they can... it, it's a point of model, and so if they're given a run order and the entire distance is on a road, they can go twenty up to twenty four inches. But if you give them any other order, or they get shot at, they pitch them and, and they don't do anything. Uh, they have to take a pin. Sorry, take a pin. Or right. like I said, if you give them an advance order instead of a run order on a road, they dump them. Right. Isn't, on. That, isn't, isn't that the bicycle rule? Yep, yep. It's yeah. They, if they receive any other order than run, or if they receive a pin, they must abandon their bicycles for the wrestling. Yeah, but it's just a point of model, and it, that, that can be a pretty decisive advantage if you have a, a road on your table edge. All of a sudden, you can move up twenty four inches to the right. objective. Yeah, cover. it's a, it's not an it's not a it's not a game breaking rule, but I think it's interesting. It's it's something that I haven't, I'm yet to try out because I typically are am not willing to pay an extra like seven to ten points. Or you know something that I can only use sometimes. Well, I just listened to five different German pronunciations, and I've I've heard <laughs> here and hair as well as well, and they're hair. all from Germany. So maybe it's dialects. Either way, I don't know. Yeah, could be dialects. I don't know. I'm, we, we mentioned I, we're not good at these pronunciations, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry if anyone's listening from Germany. I think we have a few listeners that are that are stationed in or based in Germany. I'm not sure that they're we apologize German. for the aforementioned and that which is yet to come. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so I, I mean, I don't think there's anything super special to say about the hair. Is that what you said? Hair? Yeah. I stick with here. Stick with here. Here. I think here is better than hair. I yeah. I think four weird. of them were here, and the last one was hair. So. All right, I'll, I'll so we're gonna go with we're gonna go with with here. That's, it's that's, like they're just their basic infantry it. selections availability. Yep. they I mean they have some they have some they, they get a couple more upgrades than most. They start at regular, go to veteran. 
Uh, you can have 10 of them in a, man, in a squad. You 10? Yeah, you can get to 10. Is 10 uh, as high as you can go for Germany? Yes, in almost every circumstance, I believe that is correct. Maybe till the end when we're looking at the the people's army or the Hitler's. So, okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's a couple inexperienced units you can get a little bit bigger later, on, but nothing, nothing other than most are most are stopped at ten. Almost all of them are. Um, so let's yeah, let's go into the the Gershbjager next. I can never say that one. Gebergsjager. There yes. you go. Yep. Thanks, Jeff. Don't ask me to say it too many times, though. Say it again. <laughs> Gebergsjager. Gebergsjager. That sounds not German. Oh, that's it German. Sounds... That's very German. <laughs> <laughs> the way Jeff sounds, it doesn't sound German to me. Oh, okay. It's, there's not enough. There's not enough like harshness to it. It sounds too. I wasn't even that German. close in my head, so that's way better than I could have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're cool. They're the mountain troops. Those guys, they're pretty solid. They're another elite for, fighting force of German army. Uh, and they're your ski troop option. You are into skis, so they're pretty cool. Um, side note: the Warlord released their new sculpts for them not too long ago. I purchased two boxes, an awesome sculpt. And I think there's a couple other companies that make Gebergsjager uh, sculpts too that are pretty cool. So, yeah, big fans of these guys. Right on. And they're they're able to have some machine guns, and they can have some assault rifles. They get a little bit of everything, right? They the, they can have four Panzerfaust, so that's bonkers. Yeah, well, late war. These guys you're are getting late war solid. now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm looking at the late war entries. Sorry. A lot of the late war entries are rife with Panzerfausts. Yeah, that's a good point. Is well, and hence why a lot of people play Panzer late late war when they're in tournaments and stuff. Sure. Like, because because why would you not? If you had to choose between the late war and an early war. I mean, but, yeah, cause because you're a fluffy bunny, bunny. you yeah, care exactly. about the fluff. Yeah, Again, you don't get you don't get rewarded for that. Very seldom. If you're well, combat, if combat effectiveness is what you care about, you want to play late war, right? Even if even if all you're taking is the the Panzerfaust, because like early war, yeah, they didn't even exist yet. Late war, yeah, of course everyone had them because they realized, hey, we need to be able to blow up tanks. Or if what you cared about was, you know, having a good time and the respect of the people that you're playing in the rest of the tournament, then you'll go. Yeah, still Matt win Nick it will buy you a cup of coffee. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly how the war went down, right? Is that everyone bought each other coffee. Well, if I recall, the early war went pretty well for the Germans, so I think I'd be probably looking around the early war. So, I mean, just from a right, historical perspective. Right, until you face in a late war in American army, and you're like, oh, crap, what happened? Uh, like, or oh, late that's war right. Russian army. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's like they kind of advanced the technology throughout the, the state of the right. war. Madness. Yeah, they did quite a bit, actually. Yeah. yeah. They did. They really did. Anyway, all right. Uh, I think that, like, let's just go through a couple other ones. Well, there's so many, there's a, quite a few Waffen, like SS squads. I mean, that's another one that we can go through in kind of brief detail here. I think that one's pronounceable. Some, let's do that one. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, Waffen SS. I yeah, can that's that pronounceable. One. Let's let's work with that. Yeah. This They're is gonna kinda... be your this is gonna be your hardest one historically because these these are the party guys. So they are the, they they are are the actual Nazis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. These so, are the guys yeah. that got melted by the. By the thing in Africa, right? Right, and they're and they're rife with iconography. Iconography. Now I can't even that, pronounce English. No, Sorry, you, you got that right the second time. Yeah. Jeff. So, so they're the ones that are going to cause um, issues with certain people. You go full historic with their flags and patches, or have dice or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yes. To, to your point, they they are either going to have the swastika. Or they have another symbol that the SS symbol that people are not super. I don't. Fan I don't even know that they had the swastika. It was the SS on the collars that they were the distinct. Yeah. You know, and well, people, we know what the SS did. So right. Yeah, we were familiar with the with the atrocities that they were a part of. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I go back and forth on them. I don't actually own any SS. 
I own a lot of these. Because of it, but <laughs> um, this is um, this is this is the project that I was working on to complete for the upcoming tournament was um, a Waffen SS squad. It was actually a confis or it actually is what I'm building to a confiscation squad that operated in Poland after Poland surrendered um, into the next year early, where they were trying to go through and appropriate what they felt were um, German cultural relics and, and things like that. And so, you know, I have I have a lot of these on my desk and, you know, I'm just kind of looking at the top line of stuff and, you know, paint schemes and there's all this information out there. Um, it's actually patterned after um, uh, Sonder Commander, Commando Paulson's unit. He was, um, uh, he was a professor at the University of Berlin, I think. Uh, anthropology and so you know they didn't have anything but they were ss so they had enough and no it's just i kind of go back and forth sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's just i want to get it done. they weren't so their uniforms were not designed by hugo boss um well i, I mean it was early war i don't know when hugo boss stepped in and started doing work but um yeah, I mean, what is interesting um, from a historical standpoint, and I think this is across all of the armies, maybe not all of them, but I actually found a ton of material looking at it. So it'll tell you exactly how to paint them for what time of the war they were and all their different camo uniforms. And, and that part of it is kind of cool. It's all out there. But again, if you dig far enough, you're going to find out about everything that happened, and that's not as much fun. Right. I mean, we all know what history was like. It's not like any of the other German choices are all that much better. Quite honestly, they were all involved in some, they were at least at a minimum, you know, fighting for a country that was doing these atrocities. These are going to be the the hardest guys to separate. Yeah, the SS. Awful parts of the SS had their reputation for a reason. So, you know, it wasn't like, you know, the regular army. These were, these were the Nazi party guys. So, yeah. And I can't, you know, I can't, I'm not going to tell anybody whether they can play it or not. It's up to you, you know. And I don't, if you do choose to play it, or I choose to play it, please know that, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not in no way supporting or condoning what did happen or what they're known for having done. Um, it's just one of those history things. And like I said, it's on my desk and, you know, I go back and forth on whether I can get it done. We'll see. So it depends upon whether I've seen some recent, you know, documentaries and stuff like that or, or not. Yeah, or if you just visited the Holocaust Museum or something. Right, or if I I'm mean, listening to different podcasts going through the history and that kind of stuff. It's it's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I and I mean we're playing a war game, right? It's abstracted, it's abstracted World War II history. I think everyone's understandable that, you know, just because you're playing the SS, you're not, you know, some evil mastermind yourself. I think most people understand that. Nobody nobody's taking I, I mean, from my perspective, I don't think anyone is taking the SS because they were badasses in the actual war. It's that their in-game rules are very good, right? Yeah, early um, war veteran infantry. Right, with Fnatic. I, I mean, yeah, you can purchase you Fnatic for them. Yep. So, yep. so it's an upgrade you have to buy for them. It's fair. You so have I was, to buy I was gonna, it. Sorry. I was going to ask what rules stand them apart from some other selections that are in there. In early war or just across the board? Just across the board. Like, we're talking generic reinforced platoon sort of stuff. I mean... The fact that they can be fanatic is a big deal, right? They're, you're paying a, a boatload of points for it. Early war, they can have submachine guns. There aren't a lot of those available. I think early war, yeah, even early war, you can have two sub, two light machine guns for them, um, which is something that most people don't get. They get assault rifles too, right? Yeah, late war, they'll get assault rifles. Okay. 
I remember correctly. Yeah, I really think that it's the fanatic choice that sets them apart from a rule it, it really is. It really is. But late war, they do get the option for assault rifles. Also, the entire squad the cavalry squad as well. I mean, like horse cavalry. Right. They're the only true traditional cavalry that there is in the German selector. Um, I don't think their Germany is all that, just all that exciting. Not as exciting as others. I, I mean, other than the fact that you can move a fanatic fairly far, fairly quickly... That that being said, I don't think ever really honestly take them. I'll just buy a truck and put an M in. So bingo, or or you take one of your other billion choices. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a couple more. We haven't talked about any of the grenadier units. I don't think there's anything. the The grenadiers are kind of cool in a sense that if you're really not into uh, the SS, which that's fine. I, I can totally understand it. A lot of the grenadiers have similarly stuff. The only thing that they they you don't get is the fanatic right a lot of the other stuff that you get basically you can get with a, with the unit of grenadiers which is kind of nice uh and then uh my favorite unit as jeff will attest to is the assault engineers i think those are a super awesome cool. choice i think they're i think they're really good they have lots of they have lots of choices early war late war it doesn't matter you get a lot of choices you can get an lmg you can get a flamethrower uh they have the the availability of getting a sturm pistol Strum pistol is what it's called, um, which is not, I don't, I mean, it's not super exciting about that one, but Strum pistol? Yeah, six inch plus three shaped charge. So it's essentially a yeah, short, I, I would short agree Panzerfaust. The, this, this is the one army that I could see, this is the one unit in the army that kind of would make me want to play a German army. That this, right. And then, they're very cool. Yeah. Very and then personal. they have the, the GRB 39 grenade launcher, which doubles as, a, uh, you can fire it as an anti tank or as a, um, anti-infantry, essentially. It's not super great at anti- like anti-infantry. But plus three pen, which is nothing to, you know, that's that's still pretty awesome. That'll wreck an armored car. That'll wreck yep. an armored car. It's, it's it, still it about the same It wrecked a tank range. in the last game. Well, there you go. See, he's got to get in the right position. Yep, I got a side shot, so yeah, it made it a bit easier to do. It helps. Yep, yep, but you can have a lot of, ch- I mean, you're paying a lot of points for it, but they're veteran. You, you can have lots of lots of little toys here and there. I mean, I typically will kit this unit out and let it go to town. It it either you know pays for its weight in gold or it just gets blown off the table. But it's still fun, and, and it, people are scared of it when you bring it out. And it's yet another really good looking at the sculpt fit grade. I yes, really I like will it. say it's one of my favorite kits I've ever put together because it's a combination of plastic and metals, and you have lots of little bits to add here and there, and they all have kind of some unique feel to them. Uh, the the one caveat I will say to that, and this is a big caveat, is that I feel like it says that you get like twenty of them out of the box. That's that's a crock of shit. You don't get twenty of them out of the box. You get like a unit of ten or eleven. I think I got eleven models out of the entire kit. That's not counting the was Goliath. This, that was this some that. of the ones that you snipped everything apart and then found out if there was a certain set that with the, or is that just the U.S. Army you did that? With? No, that was just the U.S. Army stuff. That was okay. me just trying to be very proactive about getting everything cleaned up before I started. So. Uh, the only other unit that I wanted to touch on, there, I mean, there's a slew of choices in here, but uh, the only other one that I want to touch on, because I think they have some kind of unique rules, are the Brandenburgers. Uh, I don't think they made it into the book, but they're the additional the additional troop selector on the PDF. Uh, they got some pretty cool rules, and I think that's one of the things that I, I like about them. Again, you know, Dale's probably not going to like them because a lot of them are actually... Uh, against your opponent they're they're buffing your or they're debuffing your opponent or nerfing your opponent uh so brandenburgers they have two rules that i think are really interesting one is behind enemy line enemy lines when outflanking, they ignore the minus one modifier 
Okay, so that's pretty cool. Uh, then they have sabotage. Oh, I'm sorry, they have three special rules. This is what makes them so crazy. So they have another one called sabotage. Enemy units in reserve suffer an additional minus one to the test when they come on the table. As long as your unit is on the table, uh, that's pretty pretty sweet. Ouch. Wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So that one's pretty cool. Like, that one's that one's really awesome, especially against, like, Americans who normally don't have to take a check. They're going to have to take a check. So does the uh, so the Brandenburgers, if they are on the table, they give that rule? Or if they're not on the table, does it say? If they're on the table. Okay. No, I'm sorry. They don't even have to be on the table for that rule. I, well, they, I don't know. I'm looking at Easy Army's rule for it. I believe they have to be on the table. Okay. I believe that these two rules, they have to be on the table. Don't hold me to it. I think that they... Most every special rule that impacts that kind of stuff that has to be on the table. Right, like Tiger Fear, sure. your, your Tiger has to be well, on the there's, table. There's even like the paratroopers, like the, the guy with the, the beacon single, he has to be on the table to you know affect anything. So most things have to be on the table to have an effect. I think yeah, it's they're pretty not, much mechanic-wide for the game. Is, is all kind of the same. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense because apparently right. these guys are so terrifying that the thought of people rushing into combat against them is kind of like, eh, do I really want to? Maybe. Well, I'm good but here. that's not. But that's not what the Brandenburgers were. The, so the Brandenburgers were like spies, right? They were infiltrators, oh, okay. so they would come into the Soviets. So they'd like and, miscommunicate or intercept or change orders or something like that. Right. Essentially, they would be so good at confusing and gaslighting the your the, whoever they were. You know, they would be the ones first sent in. And they would be like, you know, doing stuff to try and manipulate what was going on around them. Uh, so a lot of the, so Jesse loves these guys too, because the NKVD killed a lot of them. Uh, they were, they were good at like getting these guys or sniffing these guys out and finding them. Cause they, most of them spoke multiple languages. They were like, they were like legitimately spies almost. Uh, and I think that's one of the other cool things about them. So uh, the other special rule they get is paranoia. So when an enemy rolls on the FUBAR chart, they suffer minus two to that roll. So it's always going to be two worse than the roll you expected. So, again, really cool rule. Oh, yeah, and I forgot the, the best in the, the best rule is they actually have Fnatic as well. So are they like, you know, 1,000 points apiece to put on the board? Or what? <laughs> uh, Ten of them are 190 points base without taking any other choices. Um, happier. Yeah, much, yeah, I mean, but you're I'm happier. You're paying for it, but they have a lot of cool rules. And if you put that on top of some of, like, if you had a tiger and this, it's kind of like you're starting to get into, like, you might be pissing some opponents off. I, I think you're going to be you're manipulating probably not looking for the, You're not looking for the best sports award at that stage, are you? Right, right. No, you're kind of like you've manipulated your opponent's army a little too much to ever get that possibility. Eesh. Again, very fun, though. Like, I like the rules. I don't, yeah, I think fun, historically. You can put them on your list. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I've taken them once, and they—they, they, I think somebody rolled a foo bar or something. It wasn't that spectacular, but uh, they have lots of options. They got a lot of other choices. There's a couple other cool ones in there. You got the late war Hitler, uh, you know, the fall of the fall of Berlin stuff. There's uh, uh, so the folks grenadier are a mixed squad. They test if when you take when they suffer a casualty. If they upgrade to regular, then they test again, and if they pass that one, they become veterans right away, which I think is kind of a cool rule set. Yeah, they all have assault rifles. Yep, and they start with assault rifles, which yep. is a big deal too, yeah. yeah. Nothing to frown at. So, um, yeah, why don't we move into all of their their weapon teams? I mean, 
The rest of the army? <laughs> everything that's not their infantry. Everything else that's not infantry? Right. I don't think they're infantry teams. Is there anything that's super special about them? I think they're pretty much like the same as everyone else. Well, the demo uh, team you'll... is kind of cool. Okay. Yeah, the, the demo team is not that cool, though. Like their anti-tank Goliath team? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I, well, imagine. It's awful. It's awful, it's but awful. you're driving a little remote-controlled... I mean, it's really awesome in the sense that, yeah, you're driving a little remote-controlled car, yeah. but... I think that's awesome. It is garbage. Oh, it's straight garbage, but it's still always you can play with garbage. I mean, why not? No, no, you can't. Not <laughs> not at not at seventy eight <laughs> points for or sixty points for a regular NCO and two men because it's still a single shot. Yeah, I, I play for the stories, and so the one time that thing rolls up oh, there and, and blows it up, big thumbs up. I'm for really me. confused. Wait, hold on a second. I got to read this because now. I'm I'm looking at this going, uh, uh, okay, okay. So if you roll a one through four, so you have a fifty percent chance of killing whatever you're going to do, right? No, no, sorry, it's a third of a shot, third of a chance. Other way around. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You can tell that Rick's not into the hard sciences. <laughs> I have a, I have a bachelor of science. You guys go to hell. Uh, wow. <laughs> one one third of the time, it's going to blow something up. Otherwise, yeah. it's not going to do shit. You don't have to roll the hit, it, though. No, that's essentially what you're doing. You're rolling. You're rolling to hit by rolling a, a single d6, and then a one through four right. just does nothing. That's garbage. Flat, flat up. That's, that's a flat out dumpster fire. Well, right you there. got you got eighteen inch seven. range. Come on, plus seven pen. That's awesome. On one third of the dice, and if you don't get it, it's gone. Yeah, it just, it's terrible. You don't get it. It's terrible. It's not great. Yeah, no one you is, get one of them in your army. Yeah, no one is uh, is disputing that it's terrible, but I love now, the if idea you could, of it. I've never I mean, seen I one on the board or heard of one being on the board. It must not be very fantastic. It's not very fantastic. No, because you can buy assault rifles and Panzerfaust and other. They're, think about we, just, we just committed two minutes to its life. I know. I, I like the idea of it. It's a great idea. ways to make it nice, worse. But, yeah, only if, if you even really if you, need some historical out of it. Even if you could get three of them... Right, so you could have three of them on the table, uh, you know, for fifty points or forty points apiece. I, there's so many ways you can make this work, like where you could have multiple of them because I think it, the, the idea is cool. But you you got to have some redundancy because if you just take this as your anti-tank piece, it's over. All right, we've dedicated like four piece, four minutes to it. We're done. Because in that same area, you have a Panzer Shrek, which is considerably better. Like. Uh, in, in a regular Panzerstreich team is 80 points, and it's plus six pen at 24 inches. Like to me, that's a no-brainer. I'll take the minus one penetration and add another what six inches to the distance. Actually, it's a shape charge. It doesn't suffer pen for long range. No, no, no. It's still it's only six. It's only six penetration and not seven like the Goliath. Oh, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So I'm taking it. I'm just comparing what you're saying. I thought you were talking about the range. Right, yeah, yeah, no, no. I was, I'm, I'm adding six inches. The Goliath was 18 inches. This is 24, right, and it's one it. less, and it's one less penetration. It's I would rather have a Panzer Shrek. Panzer Shreks are pretty damn amazing as far as game game wise goes. Yeah, but if you want to be the cool guy at the tournament, you're going to take the Goliath team. Just saying. <laughs> sure. Go ahead and add that to your uh, your your Waffen SS. It'll, make, it'll yeah. make you feel better on on the bottom tables. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> but I got a cool little remote I get to drive around. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, no, I no, that's not good. All right, I I don't think there's any other. I mean, the Goliath team was cool. The pan, I mean, the Panzer. We I'm glad you brought it up because it brought it up the Panzer Shrek, which is actually very good for what it is. I think a lot of people kind of get jealous of the of the 24 inch range plus six penetration uh, thing that we get. We pay for it. It's 80 points. It's not cheap, but 80 points for regular, that is. 
but still, it's it's good. So, what do you want to highlight out of their field artillery besides the Nubblewerfer, which wears nubbles? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of them in there, actually. I would I would love to go in to go in there, take a look. Art, as far as artillery goes, well, I mean, the Nubblewerfer, of course, the Nubblewerfer. That's that that's the best piece. That's of why it. I said it. It, it simply wears nubbles. What else do you need to know? <laughs> Don't need to know anything else about it. Um, it's actually not very good. It's kind of like the Howling Cow. It's a multi-launcher, so no, it never hits on better. It's really what? good. It's really good. You just got to think of it as an area effect weapon. Right. You know? And you, it's like a mortar that never gets better on a, than a six. I mean, Sure, I but it's also it, a but... mortar that can hit everybody within six inches, of, which is awesome. Someone has like five infantry that's clustered some. Foolishly puts four units in a building. Yeah. <laughs> or four units or, within six inches of the building that you just hit. Or like I had earlier recommended to Combat Tiger, if you put all your stuff near your lieutenant. Exactly. And then then Worf is Nebels. (laughs) And then Worf is Nebels, yep. (laughs) All right. Well, there's always, I mean, as famous, uh, Dave sure thinks it's famous. And it is fairly, it's fairly ubiquitous. The 88 millimeter flak, you know, so that that thing was a beast. And it's dual purpose, which I think. Dual purpose. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what makes makes it really good. Yep, that's what makes it worthwhile. Otherwise, I mean, it's just a little overcosted. I, it's got seven men too, though. It's it's kind of ridiculous in the fact that it has. Hey, and they can seven guys. people, right? I mean, they literally have a full squad of dudes supporting this gun, which is insane. It, it makes it great. really strong. It is it is a pretty cool looking like centerpiece model. I I would agree. I hear it's really good if it's glued together. <laughs> and the guys have heads, right? Yeah, all it might of those be able to hit something. Better, yeah. The. Um... Flak Veerling 38, 20, 20 millimeter Flak Veerling 38. Um, it's expensive and it can be mounted on a vehicle. But um, yeah, four light auto, auto cannons is. Yeah, I wouldn't but disagree. But you'd rather take that on a vehicle, which we'll talk about. Well, you could take it in both, and that's where I was getting. Like I was oh, like, hmm, you could have you could have eight auto cannon shots. Yeah, it's, but it's 135 points for regular, so we're starting to get into you know we're paying a ton of points, but. Eight auto cannon shots. We're trying I mean, to make friends not... with our opponents, not you know, <laughs> <laughs> not melt their units with a with a flak reeling. Right. So that thing is a. I mean, I look at it. I look at the flak as this guy is like. It's basically going to take care of any aircraft by itself. If you bring two of them, it's a guarantee you're going to be driving off every aircraft that's ever going to try and land on you. Unless yeah, anyone disagrees two, with me. Why would you need? I'd two? rather shoot it at people. Because I would well, you always get to shoot at people. You still get to oh, shoot yeah, at the sky enough, when yeah. things come in. Like, hey, but kind of for five point. points, you can add a gun shield. Score. Uh, I would take a gun shield on it for that. For when I'm paying 135 points, I'd add a gun shield just to make sure that it's taken. It's because why would you not? Why would you not? Because these things are amazing at killing infantry. Like, think about it that way. Yeah, there's a lot of what, cool so stuff here. Four light auto cannons. Each one's get two shots. Each one is a one inch template, all linked together. Right. Yep. So you're gonna, you're gonna melt. You're, you're gonna, gonna melt no, that. no doubling up on targets you're right. overlapping. You, so okay, so there's so there's ten guys. You're hitting eight of them. Yep. No, you're hitting all ten of them. But you're doing eight. But you're rolling eight wounds. Right. You're rolling to wound eight of them. Right. Ah. I'll take I'll take I'll take eight wounds. I, I'm not saying it's... at plus two penetration. Yeah. I, I think I'll take it. Hey, auto cannons are probably the most underrated weapon that's out there, quite seriously. Well, and I think the thing that most most are not four barrels. I think that's the big difference between most is that this one is four auto cannons. It's a it's a four gun 
link instead of most are usually two. Well, and that's what makes it kind of scary. Yeah. Well, there there are there are a couple other ones that are out there. But I'm yeah, trying to find the other one. Uh, I, in the German army, the, I believe the British have one that can have up to eight, up four auto cannons. No, I'm looking for the other the, the German the bit vehicle mounted one. No. But yeah, I'm like I said, auto cannons they're 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 really um, under advertised, underwhelmed. I mean, people just you don't see a lot of them. They're they're not very common, but they're deadly. That plus two pen is just disgusting. With that, you know, the two inch HE template and the little chain gang. I wonder I wonder how you could actually make like a template that would actually work because like each HE template is supposed to be like touching the next one. Yeah. You, 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 you take one inchers, so like your uh, sta- usually the standard size base that comes for twenty eight meter guys. You glue them touching tips. Yeah. But you can like actually like <laughs> snake them back and forth too. So they just have oh, to be man. touching. Well, right? they are circles. Be... I mean, you can rotate them. It's, it's sure. pretty cool. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. You just you're cracking me up here. There's so many opportunities to say some so many dirty things, and I'm trying to hold it in. Really, like you've you've touched tips and you've done all sorts of stuff. It's fun. All right, sorry. Go on. What do you want more tips touched? Is that what you're saying? Uh, sure. Whatever. So I I found the truck because okay. it's not a truck. Nice. Go ahead, though. No, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, move, move on to something else. I think that I think that horse so is dead. The, my, yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, it's the Whirlwind. That was the one I was thinking of. It's a tank. I forgot. It's an open top tank, but it's got a nine plus armor, uh, and it's got a four. Uh, it's got a turret mounted light uh, light auto cannon and a forward facing MMG. Two hundred forty points. Little pricey, but it's still. If only it had Tiger Fear, because <laughs> that would make it better. Yeah. No, I, it's interesting, but I don't know that I would ever take the Warble Wind just from a standpoint of like that's taking up your, uh, it's taking up your tank slot, which is kind uh, of unless you need to win Warbles, spot. right? No, which wanna, I don't know that you're winning any Warbles. You want to go point. hardcore? I mean, Warlord sells a Flock Panzer. It's Corleone, Corleone, which is a Panther with a turret, with two auto cannons. Uh, it's not open top, but of course it's probably not. But it looks cool. Yeah, and uh, there's lots of cool stuff. They. If Germans did anything right, I feel like they did kind of innovate on the whole idea. They kind of kept putting stuff on top of it. It's kind of cool. Um, anyway, let's look at any other artillery we have because I'm seeing the Panzerbursch. That's another that's another one that's fun to say. Panzerbursch. Busch. Busch? Busch? I don't know. Panzerbursch. I think that's what it is. You guys are just going to let me keep talking until I figure it out. I'm just going to let you keep saying Bush. Bush, yeah. I, I was just going to, once again, say we, we suck at this kind of pronunciation thing. So uh, Busha. Busha. Right. Busha. Dale goes and actually looks it up instead of just trying to guess. No, I'm looking at it's it. It's no so fun. It's, I'm, no, I'm, I'm very far removed from my years of, of German, so but it's definitely... Oh, you Bush. had actual some German. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. where you get to... Yeah, you got it made compared to me. Probably back when there was an East and West Germany. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there were. So... Right on the wall. All right. Um, it's it's I don't know. It's not it's super exciting to me other than that it's fifty points. It's fairly inexpensive. Squeeze bore. Yeah, it's squeeze bore, which is the big thing, isn't it? So it's increased by a total of six or plus six at short range. Holy hell, that's that's ridiculous. And over half range is reduced by two instead of the usual by two instead of the usual one to a total of plus two. Yeah, this is weird. I'm really confused by the way that Easy Armies is describing this. No, so just, it's 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 good at short range and it's crap at long. What it's trying to tell you. Okay, right. right. So anything, it's just got a 48 inch range. If you're under 24, it's plus four penetration. If you're yep. anywhere over 24, it's plus two penetration. Is that what I'm understanding? No, it's less than two. So from zero to 12, <coughs> it's six. From 12 to 24, it's four. 
and over 24, it's 2. Right, that's what I said. So it's over 24 inches is two plus, a plus 2 penetration. Yes. So a total of 2. And then when it gets under 12, it's plus 6. Okay, that's where I was. I missed the total in there. I was like, holy crap, it's penetration 10. That's insane. No, it's only plus 6. Okay, all right. Only, First 50 points. Only plus 6. Only plus 6, yeah. Light anti-take, run that baby up as close as you can. Yeah, I mean it's not. Uh, it's 50 not. Points. It's fifty points. It's pretty. It's pretty cheap comparatively. Um, All right. Too much time on this. We got lots of tanks. Yeah. Good point. All right. So I think that's the end of that. I don't think there's anything else in there that's super, uh, super exciting. Just to, uh, standard cat. stuff. A lot of it's standard. I don't think there's plenty of other things. And I mean, quite honestly, the tanks is there's there's a million tanks. This is kind of like the Russians. They they made so many damn tanks. It's well, well they impossible. they made them from the Russian tanks for Christ's sake. Yeah, right. Well, that's right. So they yeah they reverse like engineered them and, and changed them and made them better. Right, and they'd find they'd find the ones that were being effective and actually try and make something out of them. That's that is to be said. Hold on a second. Sorry, I'm pouring myself a little more beer here out of my keg. So, so other than your keg, basically they've got a, a crap ton of tanks and yeah, lots of tanks. Right. Maybe maybe I want, we'll do an episode of like just we could just like take two hours and talk about Russian engine tanks. The thing to know is just they come talk in, about tanks. They come in all the flavors of the rainbow, from light to medium to heavy to super heavy, and you can arm them with about everything from light to, to heavy to super heavy. Um, they have some right. flaming tank action. They have some so. flaming tanks. The, the Flammer Panzer Flam- wagon. Flammer Panzer. Which uh, they have the vehicle vehicle mounted flamethrowers are still being viewed as very dirty. I hear. Well, if they still call it dirty now, they need they need to suck it. Dirty, dirty is probably not the right word, but they're still they're still good. Yeah, but they're good. There's things there's they're lots of over. other things that are good. So when does Tiger Fear start having an impact? So the first the first one that I've that I've come across is the Panzer IV Os G. G H and J. Yep. So the early, the latest Panzers. So essentially, the the way that Warlord describes it, and it makes sense to me, is that. Essentially, they started introducing Tigers at this point. So Tigers were a thing at this point, and they were starting to show up in combat. So all of a sudden, everyone, like Jeff had alluded or said earlier, is that they people just started misrecognizing these, these other tanks as Tigers. So they'd see a Panzer IV, and they'd be like, it's a Tiger, go kill it. And it really wasn't a Tiger. It was just a Panzer IV. But they were similar enough that people were getting them confused. And they were kind of coming out at a similar time on the factory, so... I think that's uh, why they started. That's why they got the rule that they did. That they got Tiger Fear, which makes sense to me. Because I I thought I was going to have to buy Scherzen on my Panzer, and I really didn't want to. Isn't that just like an armor plate or something? <laughs> it is. It's like a giant plate that they put, bolted onto the side of them to kind of protect the treads uh, from getting hit on the sides from um, any anti-taker shaped charges. Yeah, they're actually really good defensive shaped charges. They detonate throughout. Right. Maybe not so much in the game as much as they were probably in their life. I feel like there aren't as many shaped charges out there. You mean like Bukas and Panzerfaust and Panzerfausts? They blow you up anyway. Other than those, yeah, there's not many. Yeah, other than those. Other than like, you know, the two, some of the most prominent armies in the game. So how much do you have to pay at the very least to get Tiger Fear? The least would be 188 for an inexperienced off-duty. Which you'd never bring, so, so two thirty five is my base. My base for Tiger. So Tiger Fear. What else do you get for your two eighty five? Uh, you get a plus nine or nine plus armor with a plus six anti tank, heavy anti tank gun, with a seventy two inch range, and then you get two mounted MMGs. Is one of those coaxial, or are they both hull? 
Sorry, coaxial. One's a coaxial MMG, one's a Hull Mountain. Which is a very solid setup, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it's a good tank. I mean... That's a pretty common tank for... So, like, the one of the Shermans is, like, the same gun, coaxial MG, Hull Mountain MG, 9 armor, and is, like, 205 or something like that. So, basically, like, 30 points for the Tiger Fear in that ballpark. Right. That's, I mean, comparative to other armies, that's... that's you're You're also maybe paying a little bit more for your MMG just based on the fact that you get extra shots. I, I thought maybe. you just got free stuff. Well, I don't know that any of anything. I don't know that anything is actually free in this game, as far as I can tell. But uh, well, maybe the free units are actually free because I don't feel like you guys are paying for it in any other fashion. But just had like, to throw a more shot across the bow for you. There. <laughs> well, I mean, we've just proven the fact that I'm paying thirty more points. Is that what you said? So it's not like you, you've just just a rough just, guess. Don't quote me on that. Like, no, no, no. But, builder, I mean, but the, yeah, I think it's two hundred five for the Sherman with right, the same the setup. The fact that you're saying. Oh it's, no like, no! You have a heavy anti-tank. The Sherman does not have a, does not have a heavy anti-tank at two hundred five. No. Okay, that's there. There's the difference because that would because again that would just reiterate the point that I've been trying to make this whole time is that we're still paying for anything that we get, right? But if that's not the case, um, so that's the earliest Tiger Fear that I've been able to find in any of this stuff. But that's just me. Yeah, it looks good. Looks really good. Uh, so to to put it into context, I just went and looked it up because I needed to know is that uh, M4A1 Sherman with a 76 millimeter uh, is 235 regular, and that is a 9-plus armor with a plus 6 uh, yep, heavy anti-tank yep. gun. I was just so it's exactly the too. same point. So it's actually yep. free. So well, Tiger there you is go. actually a free roll. So I'm well, okay with you, that. Now, now you'll let that go? No, because I still have to pay 235 points for a fucking tank. <laughs> oh, no. To so use the but, but you have a tank. <laughs> And Americans and British have to pay the same price, too. So. And right, but they don't get the rule. I'm not saying right. and they could buy cheaper. Again, it also doesn't play into their Army special rule. Well, just, for the Americans, if they buy them at VET, then they get the gyro-stabilization. Right. Which I'm, they have not, to pay through the nose for. They ha- And, again, I have a problem with that one, too, from a standpoint, that you're paying a lot for that special rule. I don't think you're, you're not getting it for free. It's not, an, like, it's not, hey, you get a free artillery piece. Because, <laughs> because what are you? How are you? How are they being? You know, how is that being balanced? As far as like, if if I choose not to spend two hundred thirty five points, and this might be because we're playing smaller point levels, that I'm not bringing a two hundred thirty five point tank. I'm also we're also playing early war, so none of the tanks I could bring have that capability yet of having Tiger Fear. We'll see what happens. That's why we go to tournaments, war. right? And and I think you know, especially in the in the tournament that we played in last time. Tiger Fear played a very small role because of the number of tanks. It's a very different ball of wax when you start having, you know, one tank versus another tank. In, in a single-player game, it makes a big difference. Uh, so anyway, let's getting through all the tanks. Let's get through all the tanks. So there's the Panzers. There's lots of Panzers. I actually like a lot of the Panzers. My One of my favorites is actually the Panzer III Off-G as well. Or is it Off-G? Is it the L? I can't remember. Off-G they're, or they're Off-Broadway? So there's there's several of them. I mean, they're all either plus they're either a plus armor or nine plus armor, and they all have a plus five tank or a plus five gun uh, anti tank gun on them. They're all pretty decent. There's lots of options. There's a couple other there's a couple other ones. A lot of them have some of them have a howitzers. Some of them have like Jeff said alluded to or didn't allude to. But he said they literally have just about everything at every given time. Difference between tiger and the panther. Tiger and panther, or the difference between a panzer and a panther. Panzer and a panther. Well, I mean, the Panzer Fives, or the yeah, the Panzer Fives were designated Panthers, and then the Panzer Six were designated Tigers. 
you right. immediately it's immediately is in our game is your armor the panther has the nine armor with 10 to the front so that's that's, that's, that's correct immediate, your immediate uh, also the panther comes standard i believe the heavy i tell you in a super kind of a things kind of a way. super heavy on the panther panther yep yep so that's there you go pat it's the, the couple the couple uh differences so and then from panther to panther from panther to tiger is essentially there again it's an armor upgrade and i believe it's a, it's a plus it's a like a it's is it a, a 10 or stronger 11? gun it's 10 all around the tiger is yeah it's 10 all around uh so if you go to tiger 2 which is insane uh, cuz a, t- a regular tiger 2 is going to cost you 555 points well that veteran cost is kind of evil it's very evil. It's. I think you have to take it as a veteran just because of that 666 one. Six hundred and sixty-six points. That can't be it's coincidence. Like, no, I think that's on purpose. So, so that, it's got a, the Tiger Two is the Antichrist, is what they're saying. <laughs> it sure looks like it had a eleven plus armor and a plus seven tank gun on it. You're like, holy cow, this that, thing is a monster. That should maybe have more than just Tiger Fear. Maybe Tiger Fear should be all caps for that or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It should be like this is the, the quintessential. Damn. And I think it's is the pintle mounted one that if you shoot it, it op- it makes you open top. Yeah, if you shoot at ground troops, the pintle mounted. Yeah, yes. why would you ever shoot that one in this gun? It's got a pintle mounted MMG, but I, Lord knows I would never open up the top of this tank. Uh, chase away aircraft. Which in which case you don't count as open top. Correct. Which is I guess a good enough reason in itself. There you go. All right, there's the only time I would ever use that gun is when I'm sh- trying to shoot away. Or if you have the last action in the round. Yeah, I guess you could do that. Mm-hmm. Although I might still shoot the other gun because or it's if it's the goes boom. if it's the last turn and you need to you need to get some you know just a little more firepower. You need to shift a unit or something. Yeah, you need yep, to get something just, off of something. I could see that. But yeah. you know, early rounds, uh, just normal situations. No, probably not. There are very few very few times would I think about that. Well, it's, uh, a lot of those guys didn't jump out of the tank to be at that gun and excited about it. So it's usually because right. they had to. Right. Totally. I don't know. There's there's so many options in here. There's there's the mouse that everyone nuts over on uh, on Warlord for like they sold like eighty of them for like eighty dollars a piece and never actually saw production. Which one? But whatever. It's even more expensive at six hundred eighty four points. Which one was that? And the mouse, the Panzer Eight mouse prototype. Man or mouse? Mouse. Sorry, that was a joke. My apologies. Oh, sorry. Are you a man I'm or German. a mouse? I'm German. Nine. <laughs> I'm German. I don't have a sense of humor. Well, fair enough. So yeah, yeah, basically there's a crap ton of tanks. Whatever you want, your fancy's in there, and your point cost is in there too. I think multiple people here have all thought about playing Germans at one point. So, Dale, do you have a favorite tank? No, not not particularly. I mean, it's there's so many, and there's some really big ones, but not a favor, not a favorite in particular. How about you, Jeff? Do you have something that you're super that you think is awesome? And bigger one, it's just it's just so iconic to the entire. And it's, and it's it's not the best tank ever made, frankly, when you but it's pretty awesome. Right on. Yeah, I I am a fan of the tigers, although I don't like the ones that have the uh, the zimet. Is that what it is? The the weird angled outside armor. Cigarette. Trying to it's, it's anti magnetic. Yeah. Oh oh, it's just paint. It looks like it's it's, uh, like it's, it's not paint. It's like so. It's like a, a goop like they put on it. Oh, it looks uh, like to make magnetic, anti-magnetic, because they thought the Russians were like magnetic bombs, which I don't know <laughs> that they really were or not. But once they thought they were, they put it on. Yeah, so it looks like it's like and stuff and stuff. That what it yeah, is. 
it it looks awful. Yeah. It's like my least favorite aspect of yeah. tigers, and I yeah. wish so that they would. So you wouldn't... get the ones with a clean line better. Yeah, it looks a lot better. Like they they're they're just wearing tinfoil inside. They're just they line the inside with tinfoil. No big deal. Um, yeah, I, I like the tigers. I do like some of the panzers. I like the panzer four too. Like the the late panzers. Uh, I think I'm gonna probably pick one up and get the. I can't remember what they call it. It's like the skirts along the outside of the of the turret. I can't remember what they call that, but it's it it looks pretty iconic as well. Go back about 15 cool minutes of recording. We mentioned that name, the Scherzen, something like that. Isn't that what you're talking about? The no, the Scherzen are the side skirts. Uh, okay. There's, they they have a separate one for the turret that's got a different name. I oh, know sure, called. turret. Okay, sorry. It's it's got yeah, it's on the turret. It's like it's got an outside. It's it's got a similar effect though. It's trying to bl- it's trying to stop the explosive. Be- it's trying to explode the explosive before it actually penetrates the turret. Right. One more layer of armor to to protect the actual right. layer of armor. Right. It's exactly. not like, you know, putting a tree on the outside of your tank, but very similar to. Similar enough, right? Yes. Same yeah. purpose. Yeah. So um, why don't we talk? We skipped. Well, no, we didn't skip one on a quarter. And according to the order of uh, operations here. So the last one is the armored car. Well, there's lots of other ones in here, but let's go to armored car next. I think that's another one that, I mean, they don't have a million options here, thankfully, but they do have some good ones. Anything uh, my, with P-A-K is, is certainly predominant throughout armored cars, right? P-A-K. And then all the packs in the armored cars? No. Pack 40, what is that? Those are artillery, dude. Okay. Those, Yeah, Pack 38, Pack 44, those are all those are all uh, artillery pieces. What's the Pack 40? Looks like it's got wheels and stuff. Oh, it's an armored half-track? <laughs> it's possibly. Hold on, let me look over. The Pack 40? I'm not even seeing this in here. Hold on a second. That's Where how they take destroyers and assault guns. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So just barely out of the tank section. Getting there. Right. Yeah, you're close. Close. There's. I mean, they put a lot of the stuff into the. So let's let's sum this the entire armored car section up. Puma awesome is awesome. Two 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 is much more common with the auto cannon on the top. And if you're old school, you roll the eight. Right. Yep. And and everyone picks Puma. It's not a Puma. Puma. It well, the, my favorite my favorite thing to show people, and unfortunately, I don't have my book right in front of me, so someone's going to have to turn this page because I think we. We overestimate the role of the Puma in the war by a lot. <laughs> there, uh, someone want to go to the page and find it? I can't remember what it is. Pat, do you have the book? I got it. Or Dale? Yeah, I got it. Why don't you go look up how many Pumas were made? About it's one of the beauties of the yeah, one hundred Pumas were made in the entire war. Principal service was from forty-four to fifty-five. Right, they made a hundred of them. I think that's one of the key aspects that people underestimate is that they didn't make very many of. Them. I, we we see a lot of them in play, way more than they ever got probably in the actual. War. But whatever, they're still really cool. The rules are great. I like them. I have one. I'll play it. It's fun. It's got a big gun on it for what it is, and it's got good armor. And the next time you play an armored tank wars army, you're gonna bring. Uh, if if possible, I will bring as many as I can. Except that, <laughs> that sounds really like a lot of work. Because if if any of you guys have ever put one together, or you're thinking about putting one together, it's it literally has individual piece. Suspension. It's ridiculous. Well, if you put more than 100 on the table, I'm going to have to call shenanigans. No, I mean, well, I don't think I can, but... I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I thought that was good, Pat. Laugh, haha. I, I could see all of the German players at a tournament if they all brought a tank war list having more than 100 of them, no problem. I, it just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Uh, this, uh, there's also my favorite one is in here, is the motorcycle with machine gun sidecar. I think that one's a fun. 40-point MMG, it's great. There were 40,000 of those. Shocking BMW motorcycles, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else super exciting to talk about. 
as far as the the book and those kind of stuff, I, I think we've done a good summary on a very large amount of information. Yeah, right. If anyone's still listening to this, this, but they're uh, they're pretty hardcore. So, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'll try and shorten this as much as I can, snippet it down. But Just throw some cold water on it. You'll be fine. <laughs> it's cold outside. No worries. They have an ambulance. That's kind of cool. They do. They they have a couple ambulances. I think they can actually take a half track armored ambulance, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's, that's correct. That's what I'm looking at. That's yeah. They can take the yeah the the seventy five points. Trying to think what it is. Which one is that? That's the that's SDKFZ two fifty one. Yeah, it's got another name. Eight. Jeff, help me out. What's that? What is? What are those called? Hanna Mag. There we go. Yeah, the Hanna Mag. It's the Hanna Mag converted to the role of Kronken Panzerwagen. That just sounds awesome. Yes, we type. Field field ounce. That sounds like a punk band in there. Kronken Panzerwagen. Yeah, I totally listen. <laughs> it does really sound like a, like a heavy metal band. That's pretty awesome. All right. Um, I don't think there's anything else to cover. Hopefully, those of you that are going to sign up for our tournament will sign up for our tournament tomorrow. Uh, otherwise, by the time you hear this, hopefully there will still be spots available for you to sign up. I promise it will be cool. It, uh, I, I will make every effort to make it cool, but there's really on Jeff to make cool, uh, cool scenarios to make this happen. I promise to probably be there. To... <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I promised to probably be there. There's no promise in there if you say probably. I'm just going to point that out. That doesn't count. I'll keep these guys well, in line. Well, it's maybe not a very That's... good promise. No, it's not a promise at all. <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, on Twitter. We we do all of those things at we're the the Snafu Podcast on both of those. Uh, you can go to our website at thesnafupodcast.com. Check out other other episodes. Do we want to try to get through these questions? Yes, let's do that really quick. Holy cow! I Pat I think has to get rolling here really quickly though. All right, first question from Jacob: How many interesting uses for the German Blitzkrieg rule can we come up with? He personally thinks that it's a very underrated rule. And just a quick recap: That's the plus one snap to action. Any thoughts? I- Right. Four. Four. Second Jeez. lieutenant, first lieutenant, captain major. They're all awesome. Use it. <laughs> I just thought you were going to leave it at four and not actually explain anything. <laughs> just, that would be just great. Nine? I thought nine, about it. Nine. It should have been nine. nine. I thought about it. I like, uh, uh, there's lots of cool things you can do. That. Yeah, I like Jeff's, you know, uh, multiple low-level guys um, snapping to action each other. You can't take multiple low-level guys. You can take a first or second lieutenant, and you can take a captain or a major. So you take or a you captain. can take a second platoon. Yeah, yeah. unless you take a second platoon. platoons, if you want to be that Then you get into guy. some right. shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, right. Not that there's anything there's wrong there. with that. No, 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 but you, it's, you can't, you can't. Are, you can't compare all of that stuff together, right? It's that's ba- a little bit. Basically, it, the most hard. creative use is to chain snap with the captain or major, and then snap that lieutenant, okay. or snap, I, use the lieutenant to snap the captain major because you can't. I would agree. Uh, I have I have a couple other ones that I like to throw out there. I would I would love to see someone do like an artillery pit, like a straight up artillery pit with a command, like with somebody sitting in the back snapping them all to action at once, trying to pin out a unit. So you get a mortar to, that actually that actually landed. Okay, so you're like, all right. I'll snap to action my my mortar, oh, sure. my heavy howitzer, and whatever else you can think of your MMG or something. You know, you could if you could snap to action multiple things to basically pin out a unit before it ever even gets to activate. Right, I could see that being has really an interesting. To clear any outstanding pins. Yeah, right. Solid. Yeah, it's very solid. Right, so you could you can you can go to the bottom of one turn. All three of those guns get two, three, four pins on them, and then snap them all to action right at the at the top end of the next turn, and just yeah, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Uh, another, I mean, another cool one. I mean, it's not as cool. 
but it, it could be useful as being able to rally all your units before the same thing happens to you. Like you, if you get your lieutenant in the right position, uh, maybe that's not as good of a one, but uh, I'm sure you could probably think of a million other ones. You could probably dedicate an entire episode of weird shenanigans you could pull with this thing. Right, right. All right, so next question from the fighting Kentuckian. Sorry, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to stop there. One, there is one thing that I think we talked about this before. You can't be in a truck and do this. You have to be on the table. Sure. Just keep that in mind. Right. So, you know, if you are standing there, you can't snap to action trucks that are around you. But if you're in it, you can think. Sure. You can, you can totally snap to action the truck on the table. You cannot snap to action units out of the truck. Yeah. So you can't do anything to target inside the truck. But you could definitely move those trucks. Mm-hmm. That is something you could do. You could move your entire, you know, all of your vehicle. Yeah, I was going to do that in, in my Waffen SS confiscation squad. All right. So next question from the fighting Kentuckian. Um, I know uh, Tiger Fear will be a huge topic of discussion. I think that it was. He's interested in all of our thoughts on the matter. I thought we, we gave those pretty aptly. But he follows it up with this interesting kind of observation or or thought. I think most people believe the point of contention is the Panzer IV, which is that cheapest one. However, he adds, doesn't this rule really bring Germany into line with all of the other nations' special rules? What are our thoughts? Yes. Jeff? Cheese with cheese. With. No, it's 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 solid. I think thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Or, yeah, forty-two. No, forty-two. It, it does. It does. It helps Germany. Um, it does. It brings them in the line. I think that's just a good way to put it. It's not overpowered, but it's powerful. And I think we start getting the higher point game. The Germans can actually take those tanks. Reasonable list. It really puts them back in par. So I'm I'm cool with it. It's solid. Agreed. Okay. And the reason I complain about free units right now is because we're playing less than a thousand points, which makes that skew a little bit heavy. I don't get to take advantage of all my rules yet. Pat, what do you think about that? Do you think the Tiger Fear brings Germany uh, back into line with the rest of our armies? It's very circumstantial, and it requires some thought and list building to try and mitigate it. So I would say, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I think it, it's, it's good. It represents what they did, and it, it helps us out if they can pay for the tank. Okay. And then Matt asks us, within the German army list... Do we feel it's possible to bring enough uh, anti-infantry, anti-tank to compete at like nationals or what standard hard build turn lists um, would? And I would say yes, especially if you're playing late war because of Panzerfaust spam. Yeah, yeah. you're just going to build a lot of redundancy into what you already are having. Agreed. Panzerfaust right. are such a big equalizer on anti. So yes, absolutely. Well, and, and the Fallschirmjäger had the Panzerbursch. And they had the the Panzer Shrek, so they have they have the capability to have essentially a lot of anti tank weapons. I, I mean, I would not see them not being able. I would see them being able to be just fine, especially if they've got they'll they'll have plenty of anti infantry with their assault rifles. Yeah, it feels like they can take anti tank um, in every single one of their selectors or. Um... Uh, spots within the individual selectors. There's lots of anti-tank options right. in the infantry, in the small teams, in the tanks, in the armored cars. Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually one of the really strong points for for Germany is you can pull that in all the all the spots. So, it's a good and that pretty much okay. rounds out all of our questions, at least as far as Germany goes that I can find. And that's a good reflection of their on the front and front. Brutal, brutal, brutal that fighting was. The anti-tank options for infantry squads. All right. I think that's all I've got here. Cool. All right. Uh, I've already closed the show. Check us out on all those things that I've already mentioned. Uh, sign up for our tournament if you'd like. If you can make it, that's great. Thanks for uh, supporting the Renegade stuff. It's a pretty cool idea. 
So hey, we'll be around we will, even if you just want to come up to the tournament and hang out and check out the That's whole true. Scene. It's it is kind of cool in a unique circumstance that you don't actually have to buy a ticket to the event itself. It's just these the the tournaments help support the actual overall event. So you don't actually have to buy a ticket to do anything to come and say hi. Uh you're more than welcome to. We'll talk about it again. I'm sure we'll we'll beat that dead horse until until it long long past when it sells out, hopefully. Well, just make and, sure I get the saddle back. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can make sure that happens. Thanks. All right. Well, you guys have a good week. We will we will be back in two weeks with another one. I'm sure we'll. We, it's undetermined at this point what it'll be. All right. We well, will. this is sure. Snafu. We are over and out. Later, guys. Night. All right. Eine Laterne und steht sie noch davor. So wollen wir uns da wieder sehen. Bei der Laterne wollen wir stehen. Wie einst Lili Marleen. Wie einst Lili Marleen. Unsere beiden Schatten sahen wie einer aus. Dass wir so lieb uns hatten, das sah man gleich daraus. Und alle Leute sollen es sehen, wenn wir bei der Laterne stehen. Wie einst Lili Marling, wie einst Lili Marling. rief der Kosten, sie bliesen Zapfenstreich. Es kann drei Tage kosten, Kamerad, ich komm ja gleich. Da sagten wir auf Wiedersehen, sie gerne würde sich mit dir gehen. Mit dir, Lili Schwitze kennt sie deinen schönen Gang, alle Abend brennt sie, doch nicht vergaß sie lang. Und sollte mir ein Leid geschehen, der wird bei der Laterne stehen, mit dir, Lili Der Laterne stehen, wie ein Blümchen.